Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of May, 2020. As always, I hope you're <laughs> pulling through all this uh, craziness we're going through at the moment as the big agenda rolls forward in a desperate act, really. Not the last of, a, of the list. They've got a whole list of A, B, C, D, E's to fall back on, but because the people haven't really fallen for the whole climate idea and they're not cutting back on their consumption of things and so on and going vegan and and, and they're still having children, some of them, believe it or not. In this day and age, some people are still having children. I mean, live births, that is, you know, and, and then taking care of them. Uh, then they had to go to the next step, obviously, because it's the exact same agenda is being rammed through by the WEF, the World Economic Forum. And in the forum, of course, you find the same big corporations that backed all the sustainability and the greening of society and the post-consumerism. You'd think it's crazy when big corporations want you to stop consuming so much. Well, they still want you to consume what they own or rule or run, especially the energy sector as well, because uh, they benefit from it. Because what they lose through any decision by government, the government pays them the difference. So they don't lose at all. Uh, that's how things really work in this, this modern society. And it's been like that for quite a long time, ever since it was first announced, the public-private partnership deals that Prince Charles was sent out to proclaim to the general population of the planet. And it was on the go even before that was had happened, of course, because of the views this in times of wars, in fact, World War One and Two, where the government basically puts major domos in charge of sectors of industry and they have dictatorial powers to get done whatever they want to get done regardless of the laws and they do it that way well it's the same thing happening right now so the wef of course last year talked about the sustainability programs and how we, we just weren't listening well enough and and all the terror and fear of us frying to death with the global warming wasn't really working and so they go the next step. And here, yet the same characters, all the same characters are involved with the Club of Rome, the, the usual circle of friends that, that they have, and, and including the ones who are in charge of uh, the supposed health of different countries, too. They're all on board with the same things, same people. And many of them are actually openly talking about it. They'll have a green world when they come out of this. And, and no business will be allowed to start up if it's got any any adverse effect on the planet or the climate or, or anything at all that's against... Uh, if it's just profit, it's, it's just taboo. It's got to be a green profit, you see. So they're going to accomplish a whole bunch of agendas here all at once. And the public are so mind-bombed, I'm sure with incredible overload of propaganda. And that's what most information is. It's not really truth, it's just propaganda, including the ones that are the anti, the, the, the ones that come out supposed to expose uh, the, the disinformation sites, etc. They're just, they're probably some of them are the biggest propagandists out there. Propaganda rules the world. It always has run, ruled the world. And the whole history of Edward Bernays and the books he turned out, and many after, of course, really just verified what he said. They understood human nature very well before they had all the extra so-called social sciences tacked onto it. 
and uh, nothing. There's really nothing new under the sun, as they say. And what works even in thousands, well, thousands of years ago can work again today if you know the formulas to introduce it. And the best one, as I said before, is fear and terror. Oh my God, this enemy over there is going to come, and their chariots are going to kill you, unless you listen to us and do what we say and pay us for it. And there's going to be a price, mind you, etc., etc. And we we all have to go along with it through fear and terror. It really works awfully well. And we know from this this COVID one that uh, it's beyond, it's beyond, um, what can you call it? It's it's criminal what's happened. It's criminal what's happened with a consortium of the same people, the exact same people who belong to all the climate agenda groups and, and the World Economic Forum and the Club of Rome, the exact same groups all dictating to us, uh, along with the so-called health experts. And, how we're, and, and the health experts are also part of the WEF and the COR and so on. Uh, you couldn't make this up. If you want a cabal, it's a big cabal. And it's big. We look at all the organizations that are ruled, but when you see the ones, the players who are members of all of them, it's, it's a small cadre, really, and they have their faces plastered all over televisions across the planet right now with their official uh, pre-written scripts to, to spill out to us every day. It's quite fascinating to watch it all. I don't really watch TV. I don't watch it at all, actually, but I get it, what I do from the Internet. And that's bad enough. So I can imagine that people are turned, got their TVs turned on all day long. They must be living in absolute freaking land. You know, they're freaked out and they can't get their thoughts together. And they're locked down. They can't get to work. Uh, they're all dependent on some kind of income from government handouts. And they're given no promise for a future. It's not intended. They've made it quite plain. You're not going to go back to what any, any, any kind of normalcy. And the ones who have to take over the new normalcy, as they call it. I did shows years ago on new normals. Everybody's copied the idea. <laughs> but but the, the thing is, this, they give you new normals. They're quite open about what they're going to bring in right now, in fact, very shortly and at least, and how it's going to affect you. What I've noticed is that these new normals are really the old uh, new normals that were put on the shelves for many years when they couldn't ram them through. But they, of course, are those who rule the world, the big organizations that literally created bridges over governments, not just between governments, but over them and around them and around the laws, too, of your nations. Uh, the very thing that a member of the Council on Foreign Relations mentioned that they would do with the states years and years ago, that rather than hit the constitution head on, as it always done and getting rebuffed, they would simply go around it and ignore it and over it, and that's what they've done with the, the whole planet. Actually, it's the same agenda, a very old agenda, but um, but yeah, this whole this whole set of new normals that are going to come in, such as uh, children learning from home, basically. Uh, through computers and so on, as opposed to going to classrooms. Uh, a really old wish list, list that they've had for years and years sitting on, on, you know, in the high, high shelves. And now they just brush off the dust and bring out other wish lists that they've shelved as well. Same companies, same organizations, same NGOs, same big foundations. And, and away we go, of course. And they have the right fear uh, uh, to do it, the real technique of fear uh, episode to do it. 
in the focal compliance because they're given no option basically at the moment. So uh, that's how we're really run and ruled. It's quite fascinating to to actually live through it and watch it happening. Uh, where we we, we watch the, the incredible Malthusian-type graphs. That, he was one of the first ones to put graphs out. He was an economist, really, for the big bank of, uh, banks in London at the time and the government of Britain. And, of course, we are human capital. We've always been human capital. Uh, we create everything. Marx said the same thing, too. And uh, everything comes from labor, basically. So you're human capital for those that run, own the capital. And you buy everything that they, 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 they make sure that you need in, a, in whatever is the latest modern society you live in. You have to buy new things. And, new, and of course, it's gone from cars and TV sets to, to computers and cell phones and, and everything else to do with it. So they always make sure they're, they're, in, they're in charge of all the items you'll need, including, of course, the agribusinesses now. They used to have farms. We don't have so many farms now. They've been put under for many, many years, since about the 40s or 50s, really, from the 50s onwards, to make sure that the big agri-farm businesses own everything. And they, they, of course, as we all know, old stories, but they collude, of course, they're in bed with the, the, the chemical industry that makes the the fertilizer and the herbicides and the pesticides. So it's, it's all, it all goes together, you see, works uh, together. And the small farms have been getting put under for a long, long, long time. Beautiful, really, because if you want survivability, you want lots of small farms. And if you're looking from the other side of the fence, those who want to control everything and they need a crisis or a wartime scenario, it's a perfect, perfect way to do it is to eliminate uh, ways that people can feed themselves. You can feed yourself, you've got less worries, obviously. If you can't feed yourself, you're dependent on incredible modernistic Soviet-type bread lines when you're lined up outside uh, and even have, as I say, modernized. Now it's, it's all ticker tape and and marked out floors and so on that you're supposed to follow as though it's going to make any difference at all. What, what, see, what you've been living through for a long time is something, I've touched on it so many times, the folk probably get bored with it, I get bored mentioning it, but the techniques that we're going through today were designed in the 1920s and 30s and 40s by often the same people that gave us a good part of the culture you're now presently in. They designed the culture and the changes. They, they, they designed even dances to make people... Um, a copy of foreign systems, put it that way, and sexualize everything to a high degree. The same people over and over and over, and uh, the same organizations that they actually were funded by and who they, that they worked with. Like, and Bertrand Russell is a classic example because he loved to boast about it in his own books. Many other ones were involved too, and they had books he had written for them which has never stopped till the present day. Most books you see out there are written for them, and you might be surprised at some of the ones who are uh, even leading with the alternative media. <laughs> it's the same agenda there, too. Other people write the books for them and make them stars, for those who don't know that. But Bertrand Russell talked about uh, how he could train people, even especially with children, if you give them new normal values, new normals, you see. Make that normal, whatever the new one is. Bertrand Russell said you can give them new values, the new values 
would be accepted by society and be unquestioned eventually. But the first thing to do was to break tradition of what words actually meant when you start. And he said, it will be possible eventually, if you really had a bunch of children separate from the rest of the children in the world, in your own schools, you could train them from birth and, and tell them that that snow is, is black snow. It's naturally black. And they would see the same snow, but they would call it black from then on. So that when they mixed with other people outside their little world, enclosed little world, they'd have battles over the meanings of things. But to the, to the children brought up to say that, yeah, that's no, that, that, that what they see there, which is white to everybody else, is, is black. And other people were wrong, you see. You've already started them on the way to changing the meaning of words and, and what those words eventually mean, obviously. And that's what we're living through now with two. So if you can say, well, uh, that's not a tree there, that's, and give it a different name altogether, and that's your company conflict, right? Now, it's even better if you want to do uh, cognitive dissonance, as you call it, where, you, where you, you shock people by, by scaring them about their own sanity, by, by, by changing things halfway through normalcy, uh, or your lifespan, put it that way. And suddenly you're to, you're to call something else which is obviously, which is not. Once you start that, and everybody's scratching their heads wondering why it was forced down their throats. A lot of this, this kind of stuff. It's because you're now in the next step of it, you see, uh, of having to walk along colored lines and, and X's on the floor and things like that. Absolute nonsense. Do you really think that a virus... That you, you breathe out you, with every breath you, you, you exhale, and by, believe it or not, I mean <laughs> the whole idea of masks as well, especially the surgical masks, is a joke, because you can see the old documentaries from the seventies and eighties, where you see surgeons uh, with high special lenses and so on, and you see the stuff getting shot through at a, a higher velocity from the person that's behind the mask and going outwards, because it's now it's compressed and it's forced through a higher pressure through the mask and it shoots out and goes further than if, it, if you didn't have a mask on at all. So it's, what I'm getting at is, I'm not saying don't wear a mask, what I'm saying is, you've been taught the, the Russell form of insanity and, and you're taught that, that this insanity is now normal, like your lines and cues and six feet apart. Do you really think a virus is from Star Trek or something. Is that what you, you think? I mean, I mean, stop yourselves, even if you're angry at what I'm saying. What is he talking about here? Do you really think a virus is, is so programmed intelligently, right, that it says, oh, I've gone six feet from this person, I better stop right here. Do you, do you really believe that? Or do you believe that? If you have the slightest breeze behind you, the slightest, you won't even feel it. It's going to go a hundred yards, maybe maybe more. And especially since it doesn't die off quickly, what on earth has this six feet apart thing got to do with anything in reality? It's an idea. It's an idea, that's what it is. Eh? But it's training you into a form, a form of absurdity. And you have all these professionals coming out trying to tell you that this is quite normal scientifically and they explain it to you, etc. But it's based on ideas. 
as opposed to reality or factual checking and counter-checking, etc., etc., etc. This is this is the Russell technique, basically, you're living through. And from now on, I've said, I, I gave this talk years ago, something similar. I said, when do you accept the new normals like this? Years ago, but before even the last outbreak in 2009, and long before that too, I said that if you accept them, you have to go through a whole agenda now of everything being made new, every new normal, you see? Now, psychology and behaviorism and the neurosciences are all combined and have been for a long, long time. Uh, studying humans, uh, uh, we are the main <laughs> sources of study, uh, humans, of course, for our behavior and our natural responses to things too. There's, there's nothing that really is not known about how we'll react. They also have the percentages down pretty, pretty accurately of the majority of the public. They knew back in the days of Aldous Huxley, who talked about most people being really hypnotizable or suggestible, extra-suggestible. Extra and, and because they're prone to suggestibility, you said about 60% of the public fall under the spell of, of a well-laid-out spiel or propaganda that wants to make them do something or buy something or behave in a different fashion or believe something. So 60%, if it's said by professionals, will grab it immediately and, and dispart it, you see. Very similar to what Brzezinski said many, many years later in his own books. But Alice Huxley said that, he gives, a, he gives a talk at Berkeley, which you can still get, if it's still up on YouTube or somewhere. But he said that, uh, Another ten percent, but another ten percent, you see, um, or even twenty percent, could be done with more, a bit more pressure, and time and patience applied by the person who wants you to to do what they want you to do. It, it, it says you could gradually bring them. Oh, just try. It didn't work. Yeah, but try a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, and, and give it about a time. We'll work on that. And sure enough, you, you can bring them into the belief of it too. Whoever it is with a bit more time, and, and it says that then you're left with um, maybe maybe uh, 10 or 15 percent. Uh, and uh, you see, they're the harder, these are the hardest ones to, to bring under. Some can't be brought under at all. And they're, they're, today, that's more of a rarity. Most folk go under the spell of the professional indoctrination that, that we get fed all the time. Persuading people is a, is a, a science, I hope you understand that. It's not just someone yapping. It's a science, and they're taught to do it. The teachers are given toolkits to brainwash the children to make sure the children will be true believers in whatever's being taught and, and come out with it too. And they, it works awfully well. They, they know how to as well, just like the, the person trying to make you believe something you're not supposed to, Connie Huxley. That you perhaps you even shouldn't for your own benefit. You said, he said that with more, more persuasion, more, some, a lot more will come under. But the last, the last grouping won't. It won't happen to them. Maybe ninety-three percent can go under eventually with a lot more pressure and persuasion, or even temp, even bribery. In fact, I'll try that. We'll even pay you to try that, and blah blah blah, and away they go. But maybe seven percent or so, or even less, uh, are can't be brought under. They're not hypnotizable. And that's always been a problem for, for those who rule, especially in this day and age when they use sciences to very, very efficiently 
to bring people under the under the spell of whatever they're they're trying to push or get them to behave a certain way or do whatever they want them to do. And what I'm saying isn't uh, that far. F- I mean, the talks I've given, for instance, over many, many years get condensed by some people you know awfully well, actually. And then they're promoted high by high authorities to, to push the same stuff. But uh, I've been giving these talks for years and years and years, and I'm not charging for it either. So you can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, remember, to my own website. Everybody else does that you'll hear out there. And uh, you can find articles and so on and listen to my talks because... I go through the, the art of persuasion in, in great detail on how it really works. Now remember, the art of persuasion does also take into it a crisis. If you can't get what you want the public to do, then create a crisis, terrify them, and, and watch them go to it. They've done it before with, with previous, I'd hardly call them pandemics, but uh, severe flu seasons, for instance, or novel flus too. And it's always going to be a terror and a horror story, etc. And I, I gave talks last week where I pointed out from the, again, the main sources themselves that sometimes the vaccinations they put out had disastrous consequences on youngsters and adults too, with Glenn Barr syndrome and different kinds of paralysis coming out, neurological problems. It's just astonishing what's been done. And yet the same groups are out there. Hyping it again for the next round is just amazing. Uh, the same techniques tend to work. And they know exactly how many women, as opposed to men, will be for government and authority. Women somehow, and again, Hitler said the same thing, it's authority that says, well, come here, come come to us and do what we see. We, we, we'll, we're strong, we're here to help you, and to give you faith and confidence. And, and that's what they used to aim at. And Hitler said, the women come to us during times of crisis for food and everything else. And they bypass their husbands. So the, the, the state becomes the new husband, you see. And the woman goes to the state, so they become real adherents to the state, a lot of them. And then the children, he says, the children must follow the mother and then must follow the man. Or therefore must not follow the man. And so he's got no choice at the end. That's, that technique works all the time, over and over and over again. And it's just astonishing to watch it getting played out once more. They, all, they know how many men will go for it too, which economic brackets to come from, and social systems and so on. Socioeconomic brackets they, they fall into. They have the percentage down pretty well. But they also know that lots and lots of people in the medical profession who get who see they do see the results of of vaccinations, and they're terrified always to lose their jobs by saying anything. Other ones are, are don't really care as long as they don't take it themselves. But over the last uh, two thousand nine ten uh, season, when they tried uh, vaccinations and so on. Lots of staff, medical staff, as I've mentioned before, are covered for each other by falsifying. That, that's how scared they are of what they see. They falsified um, that, that each other, giving each other uh, the shots, you see. So they were covered because they knew that a lot of the stuff gives you terrible consequences. As I say, the German 
parliament refused to take the stuff which they'd mandated for the general population in Germany in 2009-10. So you're living through incredible pressures through fear and terror to comply. Now, the big boys themselves and gals, because we have equal opportunity tyrants in this day and age, uh, they, they're all for rolling out the whole agenda and lifelong vaccinations. I've got articles from the League of Nations when they set that up about 1919 or so and they had a department for health then too and, and they came out then with their wish list of how they could vaccinate the whole planet for everything under the sun, most of which you'd never heard of uh, then at the time and you haven't heard of since. It really doesn't matter, but they had all these plans that they would just raise you in a socialistic society of obedience and uh, and they could get their, their wicked way with you. And of course, naturally, the private corporations that make profits off this were all behind it and helping to <laughs> put out the amazing, wonderful utopian propaganda. But that vision has never, never gone away. And when it morphed into the United Nations, it was still there, the same panels and all that. And uh, right in the present time, um, you have the same characters behind it because we've got to get out of this utopia. We've got to get out of it. Uh, we're living in, in a very real system with caring peoples and institutions. And everything's very Disney-esque, you know, where you, you, the, the people are really nice and the corporations are nice and they're spoke, the CEOs are nice people. Everybody's just nice, nice, you see. We've got to get away from that. Or we're done for, you understand. You're really done for. I used to give talks about suspending your disbelief, you know, and that's what we're in today. Because you got to, you got to say, wait a minute here. There really are evil people in this world. Evil is the word to use, folks. That's the words to use. Is evil and dishonest and conniving, and colluding with other evil people. And it's, it's it's not new. It's like the ancient times you had it even in religions. The, the, the Old Testament had the, 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 the evil men of the world, the rich men of the world, the leaders conspiring with each other against their own peoples. Well, that's happened before. Because those at the top, they don't really see themselves as a separate group erased from anyone else. They see themselves as a, a, a super intellectual a gifted elite, I mean gifted by the fact that they accumulate incredible wealth and can manipulate armies and nations and all the rest of it. So naturally, they used to breed in ancient times with each other quite happily. But evil is evil nonetheless, and so much of what's been done in secret it's out in the open today. The internet's an awful problem. And years ago, before I even had an internet, I was on shows. Because I didn't want any dual computer initially. I thought, you know, they couldn't bring this into being without a computer managing a whole planet and spying on everybody and gathering everybody's data and so on. They couldn't bring it to pass without a computer. And years later, in fact, I, I heard a, a preacher in the States who was a character to himself, but he used to come out with a cigar on, on his stage, and he said the same thing. He said that um, Satan could never pull off anything for a world-type system without the use of computerization. And it's so obvious, isn't it?
whether you want to believe in religion or not, it's up to you. But the fact is, it always points that things have been done before and before and before, going back into the, the Donna Man mode. I'm sure a few cavemen at one time formed a committee to try to take over the caves off everybody in the hillside. Uh, it, that's what happens with human human nature. Uh, the base man in psychopathy, for instance, the base man, the base psychopath, is the one who's a, an habitual criminal who ends up seeing something in a window. I want it now, and he smashes a window, grabs it, and gets caught. He's in and out of prison and so on. But the real intelligent psychopath uh, is up. He, he gravitates up towards the top of leadership positions where the power is and where he can really fill his pockets much better and get away with it, as opposed to getting caught by police outside a jewelry store. And these psychopaths are the ones who go into business and really get up, fly up through uh, and become CEOs. Because they're ruthless, they're very pleasantly ruthless, that's the, that's the charm that uh, the psychopath can have. They're like, a, a, they're like an alien creature, to, to look at them really, how they operate. And they've always been a puzzlement to psychiatry. Mind you, a lot of things are puzzlements to psychiatry in this day and age because they changed their laws and everything some years ago for political reasons. So you end up with a type of, of psychopath that can be sometimes creative. Most of them are not creative. The creative ones uh, go off into tangents and they're, they're kind of unique in a certain way, but got, and often are driven towards high art or something. And, and, uh, but at least they create something, and hopefully they're not living off government grants. As they, as they are today in most countries in the West, anyway. But the, but the creative ones can often support themselves, but their erratic behavior still is, is, is repetitive. Psychopaths at the lower levels don't learn by mistake, so do the same things over and over again. The higher psychopaths can learn to an extent what to avoid. They might want to still do the same things, but they'll try and avoid them if possible or find ways to get around them and still get what they want. But they have a great ability for manipulation of other people. They get other people to do all the work for them, for instance. And they'll do glad that the people around psychopaths often worship them. It's just astonishing. Uh, they, they, they praise them like a god, in fact. And um, they're like gurus. But they're, they're highly dangerous, too. If you listen to a psychopath in a higher position, if a CEO or some big corporation... Uh, when he's not at work, for instance, or she, you get some women too that are just as, as psychopathic. But uh, they can just come up with amazing statements of, of honesty from their point of view because they have no reason to hide it at that particular moment. And, and they often love to boast about things too, it's another trait that they have. But they can be very blunt about things, uh, such as, oh yeah, there's just too many people, you know, they're, all, they're quite open about it, and they should just be eliminated, yada, yada, yada. Well, these same people, remember, are the, are the people who gravitate up to the World Economic Forum, and there are special clubs there, and I mentioned before the Lucky Gene Club that some of the well-known people belong to, it's got other names too, naturally. But I'll touch on that tonight. But that's where they all meet, and then the Club of Rome and then they can get persuade governments. They can persuade governments. I, I, I think we're so corrupt, they probably bribe governments, actually, uh, to basically do their bidding at times and, and get statutes and laws passed to do with the agendas that they want to carry through. 
a greatest danger in this day and age is the fact that they're really, they're, for a long time, they have built these bridges uh, over us and around us and bypassed our laws by creating these supranational uh, entities that we don't vote for. And, and but because they've been around for maybe 40 years, some of them, you think they're normal. No, they're not normal. Uh, they were created, they're artificial entities created to rule us. And, and to get away from this idea of, of you electing governments who are responsible to you. Uh, very dangerous indeed, because you're now under a system which you can't control. You can't, you can't vote people out of office because, well, we've got nothing to do with it. It's this, uh, this uh, agency that's, that's grafted itself on as an a, a auxiliary to government, in a sense, you see. And that's where we are today with all of this. But what we're living through today, as I've said before, is just the same agenda that's been hammering away for many, many years from the days of the, oh, Thomas Malthus. And Malthus is every first year a social sciences student gets taught about Malthus, but not to denigrate him, but to actually applaud him. And, and oh, he's a great man. And Malthus, as I say, was just one, he just hated the, the people. Uh, the ordinary folk. And to him and his economists, you either had a function for, that suited them or that you're superfluous and, and you're, you're just, uh, you, you should be eliminated, basically. That was Malthus's idea. And he came out with, with these charts and graphs they're still using today. It's very impressive. It shocks people, you know, and uh, works awfully well. And since most folk can never understand them, especially when you present with about 10 in, in, in a half-hour setting, maybe a 50-minute setting, you've totally confused them, but they'll go along with what you say because because they don't understand it. You gaslight them, in a sense, and they, they sit back and their brain shuts down and they're just ears listening. You must know what you're talking about. I don't understand you. You're a professional. I'm not. So I'll take your opinion. And that's, that's good enough for me. That's how things work. It's very simple. It's the same technique uh, that, that preachers used. In America, especially, uh, because they talk so fast. It's the first thing that hits people when they come over. Uh, when you listen to some of the, the TV evangelists, especially, they're like superstar Hollywood types. They use the same lighting scenarios as Hollywood. They have massive staffs doing lighting and sound. It's like a big production, a big like a, like a, a rock band would use. Sometimes more equipment than a rock band would use for the big, big one uh, presentations. But they talk so fast and have all that. Jimmy Swaggart was awfully good with with the with the poses he would do, and he would pose like Elvis Presley with his legs the legs split apart, you know, and, and the microphone stuck outside in that gesture, etc. Everything but the cape of Elvis. But it was very effective to the people who followed. The, and and you talk at a rapid, rapid pace, very rapid, so fast. This is the trick to it, too, a lot of them, uh, that you can't keep up with it. Your, your mind doesn't have time to analyze what's being said, and so eventually you shut down your critical thinking part. The, 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 the information is going through. It shuts down, and you, then you sit back and you're downloaded by the stuff that's being downloaded because you can't keep up with it. And, and as I say, basically use your sensor part to, to analyze the data as it's coming into you. And it works very well. It's a kind of browbeating technique, you see. Certain ads use the same stuff. And the other t way to do it is, again, by, by quieter techniques, using more science. And the science is that of persuasion uh, and 
getting you to come to the, the proper conclusions about things, the desired conclusions, when, and you'll still never understand it. But you have this vague impression in your head of these massive graphs. Oh, look at that graph, that spike here. Wow, wow. You, and eventually you just listen to what they say. And you say, well, that's just fantastic. If I invest in this company, I'll, I'm going to go up in a spike by the end of about eight months. And yada, yeah. Or alternately, we're all going to die if we don't do this in eight months. And that's how presentations are worked out for the public. There are sciences. This whole, I mean, if you go into the, the marketing corporations, uh, this stuff is taught to them how to do this and how to make people, persuade people to do what you want them to do or to buy what they want you to buy. Bernays went through it all too. So again, old sciences and perfected by more studies upon human nature. And techniques, too, of communication. It's all electronic today, in fact. It's incredible. Where else can you get a whole world getting the same propaganda from the same sources during a crisis like this as today? It's just astonishing, eh, about COVID. Uh, you'll find that the Fauci and the rest of them and Bill Gates aren't just getting hit in, your, in America and the, in the West. It's all over the world. The same people are, 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 are getting it translated to them. That's immense power, isn't it? And of course, the danger is always, once again, I don't care who's presenting what and how real something may be or may not be. The danger with when it's unification of propaganda, then there's no counter to it. There's no other point of view. And that's incredibly dangerous. The whole idea of democracy is supposedly based on opposing opinions and debate. We don't have that now because you're in a post-democratic system. And the system has unrolled as your scientific socialism, your scientific elite running the show, your technocracy, an old idea, very old. And, uh, and that's what's been un unrolled, basically. Uh, even with the League of Nations that was really put out on behalf of the same organizations that ruled the, the old world and the British Empire at that time. Uh, the richest people in, the, in London backed the League of Nations and helped finance it and create it. Uh, the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs set up and drafted up everything. The Lord Alfred Milner Group actually were behind it at that time. It, it blossomed into the Royal Institute for International Affairs and had the branches across the whole planet now. The whole European Parliament is members of it for the European Parliament group, and the, the Asian Pacific group too, based in Japan, is, is still on the go, running Australia and China and other places. So it's uh, incredibly powerful, uh, and they've kept it fairly low-key, but everybody of, who's anybody uh, in government across these nations are all part of the same organization, and, and in the U.S. is a CFR. So they, they set up the whole system, they set up the banking system, the League of Nations, they, they blossomed the United Nations, and they set up the Bank for International Settlements, awfully important, which is coming into its own right now, more so than ever before, because they're the ones who decide on currencies and the value of every nation's currency, according to debts, etc. Remember, it's privately owned, although we fund it. To the same, the beautiful, like public, private. They own it. We 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 just fund it and, and pay for its costs. And you also have the IMF, International Monetary Fund, same group that created that too. 
and uh, they, they come in as the heavy guys when you can't pay back the loans and they, they bring you down to utter austerity to try pay back the loans by cutting your health care and everything else they can cut back on. Folk don't even know that when Maggie Thatcher was in, the IMF came in for a good part of that reign and ran uh, the policies of Britain behind the scenes. Cut back everything. So these are the same institutions, all run by a, a private company and set by a private company who also brought you the European Union. They drafted up the, the whole idea for the European Union and helped implement it, appointing people to be leaders. And they drafted up the NAFTA agreement, the North American Free Trade Agreement. It's now, gra- it's now morphed into the same, agree- same agree- deal. To, everybody was talking about NAFTA. It became so common, folk knew what it meant. And so they changed the name to the U.S. Uh, MCA, I think it was called. But it's the same organization running the show. So, uh, and of course, the Pacific Rim uh, Group too uh, was the next step to after China. So we're, we're well on our way to this integrated world run by uh, the same group. Anybody who's anybody has to belong to these groups. And of course, they always pretend that, that when they go into become prime minister or president, that uh, well, uh, temporarily it's just, I'm not. I don't belong to them temporarily. Well, who's kidding who? But they did take their, 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 is it taking off your Boy Scout socks or something? It makes you, come on. Of course they're still members of it. And Carl quickly talked about that. He was so proud of it, the fact that pretty well every country was run by them. And every member of parliament at the top were all members of it in, in the old British Commonwealth countries and in India. And there's the ones who are brought to power by the same financial people. They, if you've got money, you can bring anybody to power and put any dummy you want in the front. Quite easy to do. And they really don't like, you know, they really don't like this idea of democracy. The Club of Rome have gone through it ad nauseum, the Club of Rome, from their own writings, and Limits to Growth and, and all the other, one, other books, books about since then. They go on about this this failure of democracy. That they, they can't get the big agendas through because of folk arguing they don't want it and they decide no. So they don't believe you have the right to say no to anything that they want. <laughs> it's always been a nuisance to tyrants and, and nobility, and but now it's this big, big group at the top. I mean, it hasn't changed. And once again, they're out right now. With oh this democracy idea is just in the way, but we've got to bypass it with the crisis and overrule it with the crisis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for the new system, they want it permanent, of course. But there's nothing new in this. Democracy was a joke. I've read some books put out by acquaintances of Winston Churchill. They all belong to the same, the same uh, private clubs in London. Contemporaries and. and and peers of Churchill talking, uh, they used to meet even during World War One, and discuss and through their, over their brandies and the cigars and so on, but they, they would discuss uh, even the, when they were getting bombed by the by the Zeppelins in World War One, they could hear the explosions in the distance, but they're chatting away about the future and all that and, and they were talking about this, this, this joke, this joke they didn't even treat seriously uh, of democracy. And Churchill made quite a few statements about democracy, those behind it, and yada, yada, yada. 
but they would use it, but they, 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 they knew it was a joke, especially in Britain, where the crown, everything was owned by the crown, the police are owned by the crown, the army and the air force and, and the navy is owned by the crown. Their post offices are owned by the crown. You know, everything's the crown. And the Commonwealth countries are the same, still are, by the way. That's where they, that's where they, they, they swear allegiance to. There's never a mention of serving the people, you know, anywhere as always to, to the crown, which is a whole, so it makes everything a whole farce of democracy, exactly that, it's a farce. And you find, uh, once in a while you'll see, even recent years, the, the list of people, even from the Labour Party, it doesn't matter what party they belong to, because the whole politics is a big party from beginning to end, on our tab, but... The, 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 even in the Labour Party, they all want to get knighted. Britain's had top Marxists knighted by the Crown. Why do you think the Crown would knight Marxists and revolutionaries that supposedly would be there to tear them down and abolish the Crown? I'll leave you with these little puzzles. Eh? But that's the reality of what we're living through. It's a system. It's the same characters run, have run us for a hundred odd years. They were running the world, the Western world, and, and Europe openly from the 1880s right up to, to, as I say, Carl Quigley mentioned it in his book 1960s. He mentioned that for about the last 80 years, he said, every president and prime minister belongs to this organization in the last 60 years or so, or 80 years. Well, he's gone back in the 1880s. And then I should give talks and, and say that people should be, when you, if you wanted real politics, even though you'd always have to watch everybody with like incredible, you'd have to have parties of the civilian populations just to monitor and watch them and rotate them every few weeks before they got bribed and paid off and bought over. That, that's what you'd have to really do. But anyone running for politics should put on the table, cars on the table, what they belong to and what organizations are members of. And, and and who they've sworn allegiance to in the past, before you'd even consider them eligible for politics. That will never happen either, but uh, that's what you'd have to, uh, literally have to do. Because the people are never served, as you know. And at the other side of it, too, the same group that give you this, this form of democracy today, right? The same people who laugh at it, give you the ones who cause dissension so the people can never unify against anything. They give you all the different race-baiting groups and, and leaders for all these things too. That's all intentional, it's deliberate. Uh, and it makes it non-functional. And eventually it'll collapse as it's meant to do until folk will be quite glad to take over some technocratic system. Or just take us over and run us properly. They're so sick of this. It's all deliberate, folks. You know, it doesn't happen by itself. I'll start off with an article from someone that I know who's uh, using a pseudonym and uh, talking about words and slogans as a weapon of mass servitude. And it says, you've all heard of so-called spin doctors in the political world and other public relations organizations, polling companies, and any other entity who works on your psyche to make you believe in a defined way for them in the context that they wish you to accept what they say. Most people don't know and won't accept that this is called propaganda. And it's true, they don't. 
I'll add to that too, like the previous thing I talked about too, with, with the fast-talking preachers that overload you with their machine-gun-type rapid-fire speech. But it's also used by those who run up and down the stage, waving their hands a lot, motivational experts, etc. It's the same techniques that are used on you to overcome your, your sensibilities. That's how it really is. So this article here talks about it. It says most people don't know and won't accept what is called propaganda, even though they accept they're getting it, <laughs> and they'll prattle it, and they'll repeat it. They'll blindly accept what they're told is fact by people who they know to be a corrupt liars, primarily in today's era, at politicians. And it's so true, isn't it? It's so sad that folk are falling right back into parting politicians. And it's because the ones who, part, who are really pushing it are all paid by forces behind the scenes. And when you hear the people pushing the same, especially in the U.S., the U.S. literally was, had reached a period before Trump came along, in fact, where so many of the people realized that, that, that uh, this isn't working right. I mean, Obama had taken the cudgel, you know, not the baton, but the cudgel uh, from the previous parties, the Bush era, and had increased the wars again across the Middle East and, and, and the world. And so much so that Donald Rumsfeld congratulated them for continuing them and continuing his, what he called his, or their policies. So there was nobody to vote for. There really wasn't. The people were, knew it was all corrupt. And then, then the con came along again, that, that someone else was going to change it and make it better, and you know, kiss, your, kiss your skinned knee, you know, and make it all nice and happy again. And when you see people pushing that stuff, you better believe, folks, they're on the payroll, huh? But really, the Americans had nobody to vote for. They still don't. And neither did Britain, really. It was a joke in Britain. The British folk are so used to the shoe-ins, as they call it. You can pretty well tell what the masters want. And that's what the masters want and the masters get. And the last one, of course, was uh, uh, May, Theresa May. She was so in bed with uh, the city of London, the city itself. And so was Boris Johnson, mayor of the city and so on that uh, they represent the city of London, that's what they're there for. You know? So this article goes on, and it says that they'll blindly accept what they're told as fact by people who they know to be corrupt liars, primarily in today's era, politicians. But more so than ever, now we see pseudo-scientists, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fakey, he calls them, and philanthropists such as Billy the Kid Killer, Gates, <laughs> spouting drivel as science and theft as charity and a deep concern for humanity. Doesn't De Fauci and Gates expressing their expertise to global audience, you're supposed to believe that their opinion is the only opinion that matters in a world where mainstream media is utilized to completely control the minds of the vast majority of the public through TV primarily, but also also through print and online media, as long as that media is authorized. And that's so true, isn't it? If any media is unauthorized, then by default it is defined as fake news. Because if you don't agree with a tiny gang of talking heads who are on every TV channel in the world, every single day simultaneously throwing out the same sound bites, you can't possibly know better of, uh, than those experts, regardless of the fact that the facts negate absolutely everything they say. Doesn't matter if you use official sources of information or even their own words to counter their propaganda they promote. 
he cannot possibly be right and will be ridiculed and denigrated to the world of a conspiracy theorist. Then he goes into conspiracy theory. Of course, that came out after the Kennedy assassination. The CIA came out with the, the, the phrase, actually, of conspiracy theorists. And th- So uh, if it's not authorized, it's got to be conspiracy theory. It, it can't be an, an alternate uh, opinion about something. That's conspiracy theory. And that is meant to ridicule anybody uh, that's, that's not authorized to say anything. It's, this is tyranny, folks. Again, back to democracy. You're supposed to have opposing viewpoints by various segments of society, including, which really means the public, right? <laughs> you're not getting any of that at all. You're either on board with it or you're a conspiracy theorist. And when you look at Fauci and Bill Gates... And a whole bunch of them, they're all as, as one clique, you know, who are in charge of the, the health or, uh, systems across America and a good part of the world now through WHO and so on. And uh, they're in charge of that. And they're in charge as well of the Fort Detrick place as well as uh, Fauci's articles with the Cancer Institute where he joined basically with, with Detrick eight years ago. So he's, he's overseeing all these institutions that are weapon, bioweapons labs and so on. You just can't get away from the from the association with vaccine companies and a big pharma. It's impossible to get away from it because so many of the people involved have incredible shares, or they or they own so many of the companies. This this is this is true fascism, folks. It really is. You know, they can't even they can't even go and try and even pretend that they're independent thinkers and, and scientists. It's a joke because they're certainly not. Far from it. But yeah, they use these words and slogans that are repeated and repeated as though it's all the truth, you know. And so it becomes the truth just because of repetition. It's rather sad what's happened, but this article is worth reading. I'll put it up anyway. Remember, I put all these articles up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. And some of the people who put up my talks later don't have room for, for some of the links I put up. So remember, you can always go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com and get the links there. I do, I do the work for a lot of different people that, that eventually use it, never mention me. I do all the, all the work themselves. They have nothing else to do. Just go for, go for the links, basically. So I'll put it up and uh, read it for yourself. Also, this article here, a Nevada nurse who came to New York City to work on the coronavirus front lines claims minority patients are being murdered. That's what the, I think that's one that I've seen too by negligent doctors misplacing ventilator tubes and giving unnecessary defibrillation, but nobody cares. I'm sure it's the same one, probably. But uh, this isn't the first one to talk about what's happened in New York. They're so freaked out in the hospitals. Uh, they're pretty well putting the ones that come in straight on and the ventilators. Which, you get more risks with ventilators than you could ever imagine. And... Again, there's, there's many people in the medical profession who will say this. It's killing them. It kills a lot of them. And even to use them properly, if you have the proper ones to use in the first place, and, and, it's, and it's necessary, uh, you have to know folk who, who, who can actually use them properly. Uh, they're very sensitive. Your lung tissue is the most sensitive tissue. They're so thin, and the, uh, the, the, the little sacs of your tissue are so thin it doesn't, especially when it's inflamed, eh? uh, it doesn't take much pressure to bust them. 
and hemorrhaging occurs, then you get clots and all the rest of it. And that's all happening. But the, the, the staff themselves aren't going in as often as they should be to see each patient. They're, putting, they're, they're isolated, basically. And they're put there, and really they're, they're neglected until they're a lot more dying. That's what's, that's the claims that are being made in coming out of New York City. Absolute panic by the staff themselves. You know? So, and the, th- the thing is too, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of different groups that are, are overweight. They have lots of other health problems. Diabetics, you know, over, very overweight and diabetics. And, and they also have high blood pressure and a whole bunch of problems. So they're high, high risk indeed when they catch this thing on top of it all. And, uh, and then you, you'd really have to have folk that know what they're doing. You might think that folk who are, who are the staff, it doesn't matter if they're doctors or nurses, uh, are all capable of managing this, but they're not. And I think some of the staff up, or the ones on YouTube, actually mentioned that there are good ones and bad ones. And there are ones who, who it's not their own fault, they haven't really had that kind of training even in their, in their training courses uh, and in their practical courses either. Some nurses go straight into certain areas and they, they've never done this kind of stuff before, you know. And then they're plunged into that they're dealing with um, intubation and all kinds of things. And they don't know how to do it. And a lot of the, the, even the medical males and female doctors are in the same position, you know. Uh, anyway, disaster happens. But apart from this terrible chaos coming out of New York City, uh, the hospitals, you know, judging from folk who've come out openly and talked about it, who are involved in it, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, the one I think with the defibrillation, there's probably other ones getting the same problem. Uh, because you went into heart, heart block happens, and you're, you're, you're really when you have a problem with the heart, you know, it could be a little infarction or whatever. But when it happens, your, your heart automatically, just like an automaton, goes into beating at forty minutes, forty beats per minute, to keep you going. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a safety thing, a safety uh, a program you might say kicks in. And what you don't do then is, is defibrillate at that particular time, you know. There's other ways to get them back up again through medications and so on, but defibrillation can just stop it all together. But uh, yeah, I know, I know what she's she's saying here. It'd be heartbreaking to watch somebody do this. And uh, there you go. But yeah, so there you go. Um, as you speak out in despair, thirty-seven year old Nicole Sirotek described the work at the front line as as like going into the. Uh, the effing twilight zone and told of hospital units in such disarray that she was once assigned to care for a patient already in a body bag. Completely chaotic, eh? She says they're not dying of COVID. She says, yes, people are going to die of COVID. I know this, I'm not like a new grad student, but I'm literally saying they're murdering these people. And nobody cares because they're all minorities and we're in the effing uh, hood and that's not okay, you know? Neighborhood, I guess. Remember, you got a lot of folk too that, that uh, as I say, massive medical problems. Uh, you've, you've also got people whose immune systems are shot for other reasons. You know? 
uh, lots of problems all involved, and uh, they're, they're, this thing is just hitting them fast. But it's also the, tr- the treatment or the lack of treatment <laughs> or the wrong treatment that can help fish small all the quicker, I think, actually. But yeah, I think this one or another one said that they're basically ventilating everybody comes in. And that's the wrong thing to do, of course. Now, this other article here, we're way back to the beginning here, I've got a whole bunch of stuff. This article is called COVID-19, the big pharma players behind the UK government lockdown. And it starts off as Vanessa Billy, 6th of May 2020. And this is to achieve world government. This is a quote. To achieve world government, it's necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family traditions, national patriotism and religious dogmas. Dr. George Brock Chisholm, who served as the first director general of the World Health Organization from 1948 to 1953. Awfully important because they haven't changed. I've got quotes, actually, exact same quotes of the the ones who are there today saying the exact same things, same quote, actually. Because, remember, the WHO is part of the United Nations idea set up by the private organization that ran the British Empire at the time. And it hasn't changed. And they wanted world government, but again, a managed, um, expertly run government uh, and, and population, as opposed to democracy. So I'll say it again, to achieve world government, it's necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family tradition, national patriotism, and religious dogmas. Dr. George Brock Chisholm, who served as the first director general of the World Health Organization from 1948 to 1953, in part one of Who Controls the British Government Response to COVID-19, this is a part one to this, began an investigation into individuals and entities that are effectively driving the UK government response to COVID-19. In part two, I expand upon the big pharma and artificial intelligence links already identified and will introduce new connections that appear to have considerable bearing upon the UK government's COVID-19 strategy and will expand upon the Bill Gates connections to the various organisations that are advocating global immunisation. If my voice goes out once in a while, it's because it's so dry, because um, I've got the heating on, actually. And I've been having snow for the last, more since Thursday, last Thursday, Friday. I've got a foot of snow. It's still on the ground yet, up where I am. And um, this, is, this is May we're in now. And they're still prowling on about global warming, believe it or not. Eh? So if my voice will go out and in once in a while, because the air is just so darn dry. And um, that's what happens in cold climates during global warming. <laughs> and so Vanessa Billy goes on and says, um, The UK government chief medical advisor and chief medical officer for England, Chris Whitty, is claiming, as saying that a return to normal in the short term is wholly unrealistic. That, by the way, they're, they're all on board with the same phrases across the world. And from his, the people in the same positions in the States and Canada and everywhere else, you're hearing the same phrases. It's like weapons of mass destruction because they're all sworn to repeat the same stuff from the WHO right? and, the, and the World Economic Forum. 
So Whitty is telling us that the highly disruptive social distancing policy will be in place for really quite a long period of time. Highly disruptive is a euphemism for the devastation of the world economy and the horrifying knock-on effect, an estimated 50% of the world's workforce are at risk of losing their livelihood. More than that, once you can't get food, it's going to be an awful lot worse, folks. That's what they want. I'm not kidding you. It says the UK government has been uh, promoting the concept of immunity passports as a mean of, means of loosening the draconian lockdown measures. It's very possible that facial recognition technology may dictate who can exit lockdown and return to work. Well, that's what they want. This is, they have the same system set up in China. We're copying the exact same system here. To get a passport, individuals must upload an image of their face to the app, along with their ID, passport, or driving license. They're then tested to ascertain if they have had the virus and developed immunity. The app will then generate a QR code, which the employer will use to verify ID and, and immunity before allowing the employee back to work. You're going to get the same thing going in your stores. I mentioned this in 1998. Alarms would go off if you weren't up to date with all your vaccinations and so on. I did. Yeah, it's still up there. The UK Health Services Innovation Agency has called for businesses and technology experts to submit their ideas for providing immunity passports. Companies currently making proposals to the UK government include Onfido. I guess it's quite good. It's like dogs. You're the dog. They whistle for you. Onfido. Yoti, ID, No, OCL, and Identify. These UK government track and trace plans still face various obstacles, including the questionable accuracy of some of the antibody tests. It doesn't matter about facts, you see. But the, the, what's their agenda at work? But the spectre of increased surveillance and government control over the workforce force, and many other aspects of civil liberty looms undeniably on the horizon. Well, they've had these plans set to go. This need the right crisis to put them into action, you see. As I pointed out in part one, it's no coincidence that the Oxford University startup, Microsoft-funded facial recognition firm on Fido, again, that's the, <laughs> has recently raised $100 million, now $200 million, to boost its ID technology to enable the creation of immunity passports, according to an interview with on Fido CEO Hassan Kassai, or Kassai. The firm has uh, had previously offered a service that automates background checks on prospective employees before they are accepted for work. Well, they can, they can keep it for themselves because I'm damned if I'd ever use anything like that. I guarantee you, I will not be a slave to their electronic prison. And, uh, and that's what it is. It's got nothing to do with, with what they're talking about here. They had this ready to go regardless of what happened. Had it set to go years ago, how to get everybody tracked and traced and, and, uh, and going for the We need a good crisis. Well, here it is. And a more recent article proclaims on Fido and talks with government about systems to help Britain's return to work, yada, yada, yada. The team behind the UK government COVID uh, response uh, is to do with uh, Imperial College and Professor Neil Ferguson. This, is, this guy is, <laughs> I remember when he first got put in there as, a, as an advisor to Johnson. It was, everybody was shocked because the guy's got an awful record to start with. Far left, like like total. Well, he's a technocrat, and technocrats believe in efficiency, and this darn democracy should get thrown out the window. So a good crisis, a crisis man, 
and he, he really, uh, he should get awards for Malthusian awards for creating the best graphs ever of pure fiction. It takes amazing imagination to create these kind of graphs that he's so used to doing. He's been wrong with so many things in the past, you know, with previous, uh, so the flus in Britain. Uh, and he was responsible for the, pretty well the whole animal meat industry of Britain getting slaughtered years ago, really. The, the mad cow scare. I, I did the talks at the time about it, and it's horrific. They, they had the pyramids of, of cattle and pigs and all pyramids on fire. That's what they did with them, pyramids of these animals. Millions of them were slaughtered like that. And they, and they just burned them. Because maybe one or two folk in Britain maybe, maybe had this disease from meat. Same kind of thing, you know. But don't forget, they're all, they've always been under sustainability, the elimination of uh, animal husbandry. Yeah? Oh, it's just all destroyed the planet. Any excuse would do to get away. You can't reduce the population if you're eating well and you're healthy, folks. You've got to bring in austerity down to the brink of, of literally rationing. And then you watch folks start to die of diseases you haven't heard for, from for an awful long time. So even when he's wrong, that this, and he isn't kicked out, he should be kicked out. This is the guy who broke his own, own distancing laws by going to see his mistress, you know, who was married and all that. He wanted a bit of cohabitation instead of COVID, eh, I suppose. But Neil Ferguson, he said, defends lockdown policy while conveniently forgetting the failure record of his model. I mean, what an ego. You know, wouldn't you be hiding your head in shame? If, if it was all real, he knows he's, he's what he's doing. It's a joke. But he's, he's, that's what his job is, is to help get this agenda going. Otherwise, you would. You'd hide, you would, you'd hide your head. You wouldn't want, want to get seen in public again because of, of the disgrace you would bring on. You know, nope. So in a recent interview, he defended his COVID predictions, which now appear to have been greatly exaggerated. And he says, Britons can't completely go back to normal until we have a vaccine. They all say that they're all on board with the same parrot and phrases, eh? the vaccine. The, the, the one from Korea was the same thing. He, he went through the disease pretty well, actually, as a doctor. Um, but he's in charge of their response team in Korea for the WHO. And he's saying the same, oh, you, you, it'll never be over until we have a vaccine. for it. Well, none of the vaccines in the past have ever worked, folks. Hmm? So why do they want to pump something in here? And even, even though it's spiking and it's just starting to disappear, that there's some amazing theories about it coming out now. But it's true that it's just suddenly it went the same kind of spike like, like they had in China and different places, and then suddenly it is, it is just going way, way, way down there. Even in the countries that didn't have the lockdowns. Rather interesting, eh? But it doesn't stop guys like Ferguson, because that's why he's there, folks. He's just for sustainability, population reduction, all the usual stuff. Why would you trust this guy, who's been every, every time he's been pulled out the bag, he, he, he's just uh, been completely wrong on everything. Hmm? Then you have this other guy, Ferguson H1N1 case study, Patrick Valance of GlaxoSmithKline, the big pharma company, and they go back to 2009 and Fergus on Imperial College's analysis of swine flu back then, right? And they, they, they claimed this virus would take the lives of 65,000 people in the UK 
In the end, 457 people died from the virus. This is Ferguson, along with Patrick Valance of the company. There's a bit of a difference here. This isn't like, oops, you know, I, I ordered two dozen um, eggs and I only, only got 23. 65,000 versus 457. In response to the threat of swine flu, big pharma giant GlaxoSmith developed the Pandemrics, it's called Pandemrics vaccine, with disastrous consequences. And the link is for it too, what happened. This is official, this isn't made up theory. An alleged study of 60 patients who suffered brain damage as a result of the vaccine were allocated £60 million. Pounds. Links are all here, folks. Yeah. In compensation by the UK government. Most of the victims were children. As one report has it, it was subsequently revealed that the vaccine pandemics can cause narcolepsy. That's true. It happened in Australia and different countries, in New Zealand and, and parts of Europe. Narcolepsy and cataplexy in about 1 in 16,000 people, and many more are expected to come forward with the symptoms. A lot of them actually will just start feeling tired for the rest of their lives and never figure out why. It doesn't stop, Ferguson, no. I mean, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you hide your head in shame unless you're a real tyrant, eh? This is a later British Medical Journal uh, report deemed that GlaxoSmithKline and health authorities had failed to warn the public of the vaccine's alarming safety signal. It was developed by the company and patented in September 2006. Pandemic Rick's contained a flu strain recommended by the WHO. And after reports of brain damage began to emerge, the WHO revised their advice to urge restricted use for people under the age of 20. Pandemics is no longer in license for use, but at the time Gordon Brown led Labour government had granted GSK, that's the company again, indemnity. I said you couldn't sue them. Well, I'll tell you, anybody who's advocating mandatory vaccinations, folks, you must get it in writing from your prime ministers and presidents and, and stamped by their governments that they'll take uh, responsibility for causing the damage to you or your children and pay massive sums because they, they mandated that you take this stuff and so you have the right to sue them, and you will have all the, they'll agree to it, right? And the same with the company, sue the companies as well that, that made the stuff. Hmm? If you want to go along with it, and, um, and let's see what happens then with their mandatory, eh? You understand, it's not meant, what they're doing has nothing to do with this particular illnesses out now. They want you to be, get annual shots and boosters for every disease under the sun. That's in their agreements, the WHO, and their wish lists. And once you get this immunity passport, you'll go all the way with it. I gave this talk, as I said, back in the late 90s, when they were trying to push the same thing uh, with those particular flus. Then, and then into the 2009 again, I gave the same talks, because I've read other articles, I've got stacks of data from them. They're not conspiracy theory sites, it's their own sites, the WHO and all the organizations associated with them. And here you go with it, folks. You're not going to property like a farm animal off of your betters, the technocrats who have decided that they own you, you understand?
and they'll punish you if you don't go along with it all. And it goes on too to talk about other uh, companies and so on. It says, well, Valance and the UK governments are favouring AstraZeneca in partnership with Oxford University to fast-track vaccine development. The GSK is also in the race. It's working in collaboration with the Coalition for uh, Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. Very important, that CEPI. You know, look it up yourself. All these organizations are very official, but remember, they're all run by these private corporations and associated groups with them. It's aimed at helping the global effort to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. The UK government has invested 50 million, they've thrown 50 million in CP to support the rapid vaccine and immunoprophylactic development against unknown pathogens. Bill Gates was one of the original and most influential sponsors of CP. And she goes on with more details on that later. It is so in-depth, you understand, that this is not conspiracy stuff. Everything is checkable. You can check it all. It's factual. And it's not from little little strange sites or whatever. And it just sticks to the basic facts. I mentioned before, don't, get, don't, don't go off on other tangents here, off other things that could contribute to the 5G and everything. Everything's got its own area. When you're threatened with a completely new way of living because of what really hasn't been anything near what they claimed it was going to be, then a big agenda's at work, and you have to all come together and work on that one part of the agenda, one thing at a time, eh? That's what you do. If you don't, there's counterintelligence involved that's getting you off off the, the topic. And once you're divided, there's no unification in the voicing of your protest to anything. And that's it, you know. And this article is pretty good. It's in depth, and it's, it's by someone who does her, her work and really goes into it uh, properly with the facts. This is even Dr. Anthony Fauci, Ferguson's counterpart in the U.S., has also cast doubt on the efficacy of these models to determine government response on any given virus. As Fauci said, I've never seen a model of the disease I've dealt with where the worst case actually came out. They always overshoot, you know, when they're doing these models and so on. The fact that Ferguson plows on regardless and without any reference to the, his appalling record and disastrous consequences, consequences of the British people suggests that he functions largely as an outreach agent for actors with vested interests who are exploiting him to keep... The, they're not exploiting him. He knows what he's doing to keep the government on track with their own profit-driven COVID-19 campaigns. And it's not just profit. It's for a whole new way of living and being managed by experts for the rest of your lives, from birth to death. That's what it is. And don't forget that you are also the product for their products for Big Pharma. Hmm? That's how they see you. Our article two, this is the virus I fear the most. Again, this is getting back to Neil Ferguson. This is what he said initially. He said, it's not absurd to forecast 400,000 UK fatalities as worldwide death toll surges past 1,500. Now we know that even the death tolls, often from many other diseases, and they're lumping all kinds of things in with it too, without testing. That's factual, it's not conspiracy. But this was uh, this, was, this is how he went, you know, in the Mail Online, the Daily Mail, and how he gave out his terrifying vision. He's, he's good at terrifying visions. He actually, I think, he, he released a secret Nostradamus supporter, where he um, 
he must see something at night on his way to see his mistress, maybe in the dark, maybe that's where it, where it comes upon him. And he has these ecstatic visions of incredible, incredible emotional turmoil of, of heavens falling and things like that, eh? And, and folk just dying all over the place and getting paid to do it. I mean, that's not bad, eh? Over and over, even when you're always wrong. That's quite something. And you mustn't forget, too, though, that he also was involved in a company to do the... is isn't stats just to that. This, I think they also worked as well with the groups that... Um, East Anglia, for their computer models, to make sure that they have incredibly exaggerated, terrible scenarios for the climate if, if we don't stop breeding and things. Same groups, same groups, over and over and over, folks. Quite amazing. It really is amazing, isn't it? What we're living through here. Quite amazing. Yeah, you get here, Vaccine Impact Modeling Consortium. Acting Consortium Director. That's him there, Neil Ferguson. There you go. <laughs> yep. But I'll put these articles up, remember, at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Don't forget, too, folks, that you can also order discs and so on at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And hopefully, I'll shortly I'll get the books printed up and we're all allowed out for cages here. If, if they allow us out, in fact. And you can donate to me as well at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and list the official sites they have listed there in case anything gets pulled. And uh, you can also see how to donate to me and how to do it using PayPal or cash or whatever, even personal checks. I think they're still still okay as long as you can stand outside banks now and long lines outside the banks. (laughs) Where the one teller is stationed outside the banks in, in Sudbury apparently. I haven't been in yet. I stress over and over Make sure that you, you take a list of the list on the com site of all, all my other websites. Because the, the big boys are at war, as you well know. And um, they'll get their way one way or another. Uh, they're getting more and more ruthless all the time. Uh, they came out with this during the, 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 the planning of this whole episode with their, with their test down at John Hopkins University. They came out even then. The step by step by step by step, how they'd manage people who would dissent from it, how they'd uh, initially just blacklist them, get them off social media, then they go to find them, and then they go in prison, and that's where it's going. Uh, they're determined to make this is their big, big push now. They can't go back to try to persuade you to stop eating and stop uh, buying things and stop um, even once in a while. The ones who want children, the few that want children, actually having children, you, you, they're not going to allow you to have that anymore, you see. You understand, this is a religion, it's beyond a religion, it's a fanatical religion for these families that are intergenerational, that have been pushing this for, well, since the days of Thomas Malthus. When Charles Darwin came along, that was their champion, because they're trying to again put science into, into why they should start culling off the useless eaters in the population, you see. And Darwin, with his theories, etc., for the betterment of the race, and, and his theories about what would happen with the wrong types of people coming into the race, he, he gave them that ammunition, you see, and that's why he was their champion. Even though most of the stuff, as you probably know, was just taken from Wallace, who was uh, the real guy behind it, and, and Darwin stole it all. <laughs> but also, Sight was quite happy with that. Big story there, too. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing how it goes down through the ages, the same... The same 
techniques used employed by the same people and the descendants of the same people. They still have the, the, the eugenic society on the go. They've changed the name a few times. And one of the, the top people at it, of course, was Julian Huxley, who helped found uh, Planned Parenthood and UNESCO. Anyway, back to what we're talking about here. Now, here, you, here it shows you, too, this is a big agenda. Again, big agenda, a must-be agenda, right? Because they really mean business now as they go forward and, and unroll each part of the same agenda that they discussed at the meetings uh, and the practices that they had for coming pandemics until eventually they lock people up for saying something which is unauthorized. Because we, we don't live in democracy. You're not allowed your own opinion today. And the last thing they want are for people to listen to all sides of everything and taking all that they hear and can analyze and check out for themselves. They can also use their own abilities and discernment and come to their own conclusion. That's the last thing that those that want to rule you, literally, like robots. They want you to be robots from birth to death. And you, you can't have your own opinion on anything. It's just unauthorized and not allowed. This is big brother on steroids, really. And it really under another again under a scientific guise. It's so beautiful. I've said it before, and I mean beautiful in a very a very evil sort of way. It's, it's sardonic, and you you got to appreciate the cunningness of what you're up against here. Because when that but that quote I mentioned earlier, where they must get rid of religion for the, the WHO, right? It's in the way. Huh? Is in the way, you see, and uh, against what? Well, one thing was vaccinations. You can't, my body's not not yours to do what, do what you want with, obviously. And um, and I got him. See, not if you use logic and common sense, and even say, well, you know, if a woman has a right to her own body, she can do with it what she wants, you know. And you can't make her do what what you want her to do if you're some sort of you know control freak. Uh, then it should be the same for vaccinations or anything, or anything else for that matter. You know, one, if it's good for one thing, it's good for something else. And for people who want to inoculate untried and unproven stuff into your system uh, and make make it, make you and give immunity to government and manufacturers for any fallout and disease and ill health or death, uh, come on here, huh? Come on. Once it starts, it won't finish. It's going to cause mayhem and disaster for people. I've no doubt at all about that. And so you've got to think for yourself and, and, and don't fall into their traps. They've got you. They've got you, you see. Again, getting back to one of the first articles I read tonight to do with language and words. But they've got you using their own vocabulary. Once they've taken religion from you, you don't have a God-given right for anything. They laugh at you. And so you're left with what? Trying to debate facts. Well, it doesn't matter what you debate with the facts. Facts don't matter when there's an agenda at play. But you're left using their terminology. And guess what? Those, well, there's perfect. Who are you? Huh? You see, you've already put yourself into an inferior position. And they'll simply rule over you in the courts and say, well, that's that then. You, you know nothing about it. And the professionals do. And... Uh, you can't argue using their terminology, obviously. You've got to use your own terminology or God-given terminology, which is no. 
no. Uh, you know, you're a unique being, uh, a creation in this world, and it's not their right to do with you as they wish for any presumed real or fake reason, you know? So anyway, that's actually what it's about at the moment. And yes, they, it's not astonishing how they can keep on hammering folk, call them anti-vaxxers, when there's folk being damaged before from vaccinations. And it's admitted to in official documents. It's not, it's not hidden. You can dig it up quite fast and easily and uh, from the authorities themselves. And, uh, and yet here they go again, the same kind of thing. Eh? Oh. There you go. Um, so anyway, that was that article, as I say, with um, Mr. Ferguson and his amazing predictions. You know, the guy's an optimist. He, has, he believes in big numbers. Both he and Bill Gates have the same thing. Bill Gates is better at it. If you, people who have taken all the different lectures and, and training and, and the techniques of almost psychodrama, you see. It blends in with, with different techniques and linguistics, psycholinguistics. But they use, they use their arms in way over-exaggerated gestures to, to emphasize every word, to make it seem that this person is speaking to you is very important with the big gestures. Everything he says is bigger than real life, you see. And uh, you're kind of sick looking at this, this technique. I do, you know. And it doesn't impress me at all. It's kind of like the rap artists. I mean, he's missed his cue. He should have been a rapper, Bill Gates, because the rappers used to fling their arms out in front. You've probably seen them. They'd fling them out in front, and people would jump back as they're trying to speak. But, um, he's doing the same thing. You know, he's, he's, he, We've moved on from rap, folks, and, and Bill Gates should learn that too because we're not impressed, not impressed at all, really. And then you go on to this one here, and it's... Before lockdown, again, this is not conspiracy site here, right? And it says, before lockdown, Britain quietly downgraded the status of the virus threat. Well, it didn't tell the public, eh, at the time, eh? And, um, but this, this happened, again, it, it, it did get downgraded. This is the Washington Times. And it says, so just days before the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced a nationwide lockdown to contain the coronavirus epidemic, uh, health officials in Britain quietly lowered the official threat level for the pandemic, saying the COVID-19 virus did not meet the criteria to qualify as high-consequence infectious disease, HCID. And it says UK health, so they, they, they tentatively identified COVID-19 as an HCID in late January. In late January, they knew this, but they've locked down the country ever since, and the rest of the world's followed suit, right? Because what Britain knew, every other country knew too, especially the US, Canada. So they knew this in January, late January. But said in a March 19 statement, it was rescinding its interim decision. So they waited all that, because they wanted a total lockdown, they wanted the pandemic, they wanted to shut down the economy, they wanted a whole new way of, of a whole new world order coming out of this. You understand? That's the reason for it, folks, since they, they knew it and reclassified it in January. Huh? You're starting to get the picture here. This is not, this is not conspiracy. This is, this is stuff that's been admitted to, and then the, the documentation is here. The UK health officials had tentatively identified as an HCID in late January. 
It was based on consideration of the UKHCID criteria about the virus and the disease with information available during the early stages of the outbreak. The statement said, I love how they just give you statements. And no one's going to put their, their name on the statement because, okay, well, they don't fire politicians or bureaucrats. You know that. Bureaucrats are lifelongers, the, like the Yes Minister series. Now that more is known about COVID-19, the public health bodies in the UK have determined that several features have now changed. In particular, more information is available about mortality rates, which is low overall. And there's now greater clinical awareness and a specific and sensitive laboratory test, the availability of which continues to increase. Said in a statement, a government body that, that deals with pathogens agreed that the virus didn't meet the HCID designation, but also added that the risk to the UK from the outbreak has been raised too high. Five days later, Mr Johnson, who critics say was slow to respond to the global pandemic, said in a national address that Britons faced a moment of national emergency and ordered the UK residents to stay in their homes and limited public activities and non-essential businesses for the next three weeks at least. Well, what's happened since then? Through Wednesday morning, according to government figures, Britain reported 9,529 positive cases of coronaviruses out of just over 97,000 people tested and 463 virus-related deaths. And again, the the suspected virus deaths and uh, uh, not confirmed, along with confirmed or blah, blah, blah. It's, It's just a joke. And even the flu ones are getting mixed in with them now too, as you know, as they go into this panic and won't try to jack the figures up. Skeptics of the severity of the virus have promoted the March 19 move on Twitter as proof that doomsday scenarios and severe economic measures being implemented worldwide are an overreaction. No, it was planned that way. They knew it in January. huh? And then the lockdown after that, the people they locked them down to get the economy on its knees and bailed out all the big corporations that are part of the WEF, the World Economic Forum, that's all for this new system they're bringing in, right? Huh? <laughs> Don't you start to get it? And sustainability and austerity and all the they even say that the World Economic Forum will achieve all our goals that were put down under sustainability through this. And so is the Club of Rome. You'd have thought the change would be reported. One British poster tweeted, I wonder if they've agreed not to say not to so that people will still take it seriously and comply with lockdown. So it goes on and on and on, as I say. But that's, there you go. They knew in January it was way, way over-exaggerated. And still they locked everybody down afterwards. So there you go. Mm-mm-mm. And this article's pretty decent, actually. This one here is by Gilead Adson. It says, back in the 1960s, the British academic establishment was rather excited about the work of Karl Popper, the philosopher who de- developed the concept of empirical falsification. Popper was keen to define the demarcation between the scientific and that which only mimics empiricism and scientism. A theory, according to Popper, can be considered scientific if and only if it is potentially falsifiable by experiments or its predictions. Popper attempted to create criteria that would deny psychoanalysis, Marxism and astrology any scientific status based on the fact that these theories are not falsifiable. You may wonder what Popper would have to say about the science of Neil Ferguson, the man who predicted up to 550,000 coronavirus dead in the UK and 2.2 million dead in the USA. On 29th of April, Off Guardian published what it believed to be the most insightful criticism, and the link is here, by the way, 
of the lockdown policy so far. In the article, Ian Davis digs into the work, or shall we say the blunders he attributes to Ferguson or Davis Rice, uh, both Public Health England and Advisory Committee on Dangerous Pathogens, the ACDP, were satisfied that COVID-19 presented a low risk of mortality and downgraded it from the status of a high-consequence infectious disease on March 19th. The ACDP board membership includes Professor Neil Ferguson from Peel College. Presumably, Professor Ferguson was among the dissenting voices on the ACDP board as he completely ignored the majority opinion of scientific colleagues. Because it's an agenda, that's why. He's paid to do this stuff. He's a crisis and a chaos creator, so it brings in a different system. Eh? There's nothing wrong in holding a dissenting scientific view However, the specific dissenting view and the way it was implemented by the UK and the UC governments appears to have led America and England, or Britain and the rest of the world, to respond in a way that created a catastrophe of a previously unknown scale. In an interview 13 February, widely reported by the mainstream media, and it gives you the links to it too, and I think the actual mainstream media one is Daily Mail again, Davis writes, he, Ferguson, stated his predictive models were not absurd. He said that that infection rates of 60% of the population with a 1% mortality rate were possible, standing by his predictions of 400,000 C19, COVID-19 deaths in the UK. The Imperial College computer model report was released to the public on 16th of March, predicting huge numbers of deaths from COVID-19. By the 19th of March, Professor Ferguson must have known a majority of his peers disagreed with him. Of course he did. So he's done all this before with other scenarios. Eh? Davis points out that Ferguson failed to implement the most basic of scientific procedures, namely allowing a peer review of his predictions. Well, how come all the other big organizations jumped on his predictions eh? and backed him to the hilt without this peer-reviewed? See, this is an agenda. <laughs> and making sure that one or more people with similar competence in epidemiology evaluate what we now know to have been grossly exaggerated imperial college models and predictions. And it says, um, it reveals that when it comes to widely inaccurate predictions, Professor Ferguson's work at Imperial College has long, uh, as a long and distinguished history. In 2002, he said up to 50,000 people in the UK would die from mad cow disease. Mm, hey, mad cow disease. And to date, less than 200 have passed away. And, it's, and by the way, it's the same thing too with uh, the mad cow disease. Um, even that's very iffy, was even that much. But he predicted that 200 million global deaths from the H5N1 bird flu. When that came along, my God, 200 million global. And currently is a suspected fact in the deaths of, suspected, it's not even proven, of what really happened with H5N1 bird flu. That he said 200 million would die. 455 people worldwide died. Suspected of it, maybe. You know, it's not, not proven. But 455 people. It's a wee bit difference from 200 million eh, to 455 people. So in 2009, he told the UK government that 65,000 could die from swine flu in the UK. And he worked with the World Health Organization to predict millions of deaths from H1N1 global flu pandemics. You may ask what kind of scientists are mistaken in their predictions by factors of 200 or more. What kind of an academic institution would provide such a scientist with a platform, let alone having him 
uh, lead a department. And the questions go far deeper. Davis writes, well, Professor Ferguson and his Imperial College colleagues have been consistently wrong. Another link to this, by the way. All <laughs> different predictions have been wrong. They've also been unquestionably believed by governments and intergovernmental bodies on every occasion. What does that tell you again, folks? Eh? A big agenda. Sustainability, yada, 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 you know. New, new way of living. Everything's being brought in with this one. It's what they're, they're boasting this is accomplishing everything they couldn't get accomplished before with sustainability and climate change. Yeah. Seemingly without reservation. Anyway. Despite the clear evidence to the contrary, policymakers from all political parties have shown tremendous loyalty to Imperial College. Silly data models. In doing so, they have not only ignored the researchers' woeful history of failed predictions, but have also denied the scientific evidence, which usually contradicts them. And it says, Davis is not alone on the 28th of April. Uh, William F. Uh, F. William Engel expressed similar concerns with Neil Ferguson's reputation and past models. In 2005, Engel writes that Ferguson claimed up to 200 million people worldwide were killed by bird flu or H5N1. By early 2006, the WHO had only linked 78 deaths to the virus. Again, 200 million versus 78 deaths. You're starting to understand here that there's a bigger agenda here, and they keep using the same character. It's the same as as, as a global warming thing, and that failed in the climate change group, and and they say everybody's on board with IPCC, but no, they're not. (laughs) Most are not on board with them at all. It says, I'm not in any position to assess the true dangers, uh, danger to us of uh, C-19 or our response to it. A simple common sense tells us the only reliable scientific fact about our British leading epidemiologist team is the uncomfortable fact that it's often been wrong and by a huge margin. That's a huge, it's so incredible, really. And it goes on and on, but it's quite a good article here. And he asked the question as well as, well, why is it Britain uh, and academia? Why have they lost control, the sight of facts, basically? This is upsetting as it may seem for some progressives. Even Donald Trump in the White House current model is more reliable and scientific than a numerical exercise produced by Britain, Britain's most prestigious academic institute. Uh, well, there you go. It's astonishing, but it's totally backed by the WHO, World Health Organization, eh? who received billions, or millions, it says. So Ferguson, right? This is from Engdahl. It's mentioned Engdahl here. Reports that Neil Ferguson and his modeling group at Imperial College, in addition to being backed by the World Health Organization, right, received millions from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Everywhere you look, there's Bill Gates is everywhere, folks. He's a real Spider-Man. He's in the middle of the spider web, and it seems that they go everywhere, <laughs> to every facet of society. Huh? Ferguson heads the Vaccine Impact Modeling Cat Consortium at Peel College, which lists as its funders the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Oh, well, it's just coincidence, eh? And the Gates-backed Gavi, which is the, the Vaccine Alliance, right? To vaccinate the planet, right? Gavi. From 2006 to 2008, the Gates Foundation has invested an impressive $184,872,226.99 99 into Ferguson's Imperial College modelling operation. Well, is that maybe a conflict there? You're starting to see that everybody who's anybody giving us the advice for this big, big societal change agenda for the planet 
are connected like a little clique to each other here. Hmm? In 2002, Arnold S. Relman, professor of medicine at Harvard University, suggested that medical profession is being bought by the pharmaceutical industry, not only in terms of the practice of medicine, but also in terms of teaching and research. And the link is here too. Into it. The academic institutions of this country are allowing themselves to be paid agents of the pharmaceutical industry, I think, is disgracefully said. Quite amazing, really, yeah. It's just, it really is something else, what we're living through right now. It's just astonishing. And it's in your face and open, eh? Another article I want to put up to is the Billionaire Club. That's what they call themselves. They also called themselves at the time the, the Lucky Gene Club. This, the, the genes were just lucky, made them billionaires, you know? And they all met to, in a bid to curve overpopulation. That was in the Sunday Times from Britain. Quite a few years back, but uh, it's interesting. You've got to bring this stuff into it because he talked about the big problem in the world is too many people of the wrong kind, you know. And so I'll put it up there too from the Times and also a link to Global Research. Who's a, if you can't get a Times article to pull up, you can read it here. And the Billionaire Club and Bid to Curb Overpopulation. And uh, it's written by Jordan Harlow from Los Angeles. Some America's leading billionaires have met secretly. This was 2009 when they brought the, the big scary one with the flu then, you know. So the, the, some of the top billionaires met secretly to consider how their wealth could be used to slow the growth of the world's population and speed up improvements in health and education. Remember, too, what Bill Gates said, and it's up there on YouTube and elsewhere, where he gives a talk where he talks about vaccinating everybody to improve their health and lower the population. You know, <laughs> what part of that don't you understand from this eugenicist? Eh? So the philanthropist who attended the summit to con- convened on the initiative of Bill Gates, well, it's just a coincidence again. Microsoft co-founder discussing joining forces to overcome political and religious obstacles to change. Again, political and religious obstacles to change is that we vaccinations. Don't ever throw your religion out the window, folks, because you've nothing left to stand on. You can't argue their terminology back to them. They'll say, well, we're the experts, and the judges will tell you that. See? Described as the Good Club, this is a Good Club, it's a lucky gene club too, the Good Club by one insider included David Rockefeller, he was there, junior, right? and the patriarch of America's wealthiest dynasty, Warren Buffett, naturally, and George Soros, who was everywhere too, and all unelected people, you know. The financiers, Michael Bloomberg, the mayor of New York, and the media moguls, Ted Turner and Oprah Winfrey. These members, along with Gates, have given away more than 45 billion pounds, they're putting the pounds here, since 1996, to causes ranging from health programs in developing countries to ghetto schools near to home. The guard at the home of Sir Paul Nurse, that's an interesting character, Paul Nurse, believe you me, British Nobel Prize biochemist and president of the private Rockefeller University in Manhattan on May the 5th. The informal afternoon session was so discreet that some of the billionaires at aides were told they were, they were at security briefings. And some of them, who managed the, the Chronicle of Philanthropy magazine, I guess, uh, said the summit was unprecedented. We only learned about it afterwards by accident. Normally, these people are happy to talk good causes, but this is different, maybe because they don't want to be seen as a global cabal, he said. Some of the details did emerge out eventually. The billionaires were each given 15 minutes to present their favorite cause over dinner to discuss how they might settle on an umbrella cause that could harness their interests. And uh, they, they agreed with Gates that overpopulation was a priority. I hope you're starting to get 
things together here, folks. This is not new, but this is the latest present cabal for this generation that's dealing with it from the previous generation. That this is an ongoing thing. So this could result in a challenge to some third world politicians who believe contraception and female education weakens traditional values. Gates 53 has given away most of his fortune. I sure, sure. If you look at the money he rakes in for the big farmers <laughs> on the big vaccine campaign, it's just an, I've got articles on that too. It's just astonishing, you know. These guys, these guys don't just give stuff away, you know. Uh, everything is so so disgusting, isn't it? An article ties in, incidentally, talking about the guy in the middle of the spider's web, being spidery. Uh, it's common core behind historic drop in student scores. A different, different article about, about schooling and so on. The Common Core State Standards curriculum was created and owned by two private non-profit organizations, both of which were heavily funded and influenced by Bill Gates and of vaccine fame. CCSS has failed miserably, and an entire generation has been mentally crippled by the by this editor of this particular uh, article. Or, or <laughs> thing. It says, as we approach the 40th anniversary of the establishment of the UN's Department of Education in May, shocking trends in student performance should lead us to consider, reconsider the federal role in education, whether the initiative for policymaking should be returned to local schools, communities, and states. So they break with uh, decades of slow improvement, U.S. reading and math scores in the National Assessment of Education Progress, that's the NAEP, and other assessments have seen historic declines as most states implemented the National Common Core English and Math Curriculum Standards six years ago, according to a new study published by Pioneer Institute. And it goes through it all, what's happened, it gives you the, the, the stats and so on of, of, of what they've dropped and and what, uh, how, how they've really plummeted, actually. <laughs> and it's got an article, a link to the whole article there as well in the same paper for those who want to go into more detail. And here we go with the, the coronavirus apps. It's a sad thing. I'm sure they have stacks of this news all over the TV to brainwash. They're really terrified. The folk are watching it day and night now of television and totally programmed and under stampede mentality. The coronavirus app, why you should download COVID Safe now, it's called. Isn't that wonderful? This is Australia. COVID Safe, I call it there. And listen to how the way it's put across. I mentioned before last week about how they can stigmatize segments of society. That's the first thing tyrants always do. Uh, the, the, the communists did it, the Nazis did it, and so on. You, you, they always stigmatize parts of society that you know won't go along with it, and so on. And you have Jordan MP Chris Mullen promotes COVID safe apps. And, it's, and with the, the slogan, we're all in this together. That's what you had in Brazil in the, in the movie, the comedy. Because they always use the same techniques and terminology. We're all in it together. Right? Really? That's been the message throughout the fight against COVID-19. But now all of us have to lift our finger to help the war effort. War effort? It's not a war, you know. Far too many appear to be missing in action, and yet that's all it takes. Just the lifting of a finger, with two or three taps of your phone screen, you can download the COVID Safe tracing app in less time than it takes to spell out coronavirus. In doing so, you'll help reduce deaths and get us back on the path to economic recovery. I would sue them unless they give me proof it would reduce deaths for false advertising. And yet, well, four million have, and here's how, here's your shaming part, how they shame you and stigmatize you. And yet, well, four million, I gave, I gave this talk in the 90s, folks, what they would do step by step. 
Because they're disgusting. How how they forced the public to go along with all these things that they, they, they floated back then. So here you are, yeah. And yet, well, four million have, millions others haven't. Whether they're too selfish, too lazy, or too ignorant to do a little research and realize their privacy is not at risk, ha, 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 ha. They're compromising all of us by choosing not to be one of the 10 million needed to take up the contact tracing app for it to be a success. So it's a private company wanting you to take this for you. And you should be ashamed if you're not, you know. And it says here that... um, Downloading the app is voluntary, yet nearly a week after it was released, only 4 million people have made it priority. That's, that's obviously, uh, the rest of the public have got more sense. Seriously, what can be more important right now than downloading a technological tool that might save your life or loved one? False advertising again. How could that possibly save anybody, folks? Hmm? As Prime Minister Scott Morrison has said, the app is our ticket out of lockdown. Because they're all on board with it, folks, across the planet. For the Bill Gates from Bill Gates, what comes out of his mouth and the WHO is, is with all parrot, just like weapons of mass destruction. They're all, the big gangs all in it together. They really, really are. If one country opts out, you see the rest, it'll just fall apart anywhere else. It's like, the, it's like Britain leaving the EU. Same idea. And by the way, the apps and the whole thing and, and the lockdowns are bringing Britain right back in the same state. They're all part of the EU mess. So the apps are ticket off lockdown. No kidding. So, so you're not going to get out to shop or do anything or, or to even work unless you get the app. So it's, it's your ticket off lockdown. False advertising again, and that's very beyond coercive, you know. And they likens it to wearing sunscreen outside. Really? Really, eh? It's harmless for the user. That's not either because they've had terrible reports about sunscreen but hugely beneficial in their fight against the virus. They're not fighting it. They're going to make money off it and, and track and trace you all forever. Forever, folks. Nothing to do with the virus. <laughs> Using Bluetooth, the app recognizes other devices with the app installed and effectively makes a digital handshake. With That's, that's the Internet of Things, eh? There's scattered stuff everywhere. That records the date and time, distance and duration of the contact. It's a protective device and has one purpose to quickly find and notify people who have been in contact with a person who has tested positive to COVID-19. doesn't care if you're having an affair with your boss, you've overstayed your visa, or you've been to Dan Murphy's three times in 24 hours, or you've visited your, you know, with like, like Mr. Ferguson. The data it collects is encrypted, only available to health officers Oh, that makes it all right then, eh? <laughs> and it's deleted after 21 days. What a lie that is, eh? Can you believe that, folks? Nothing is put out there by government collusion or with covering. Including your income tax, eh? your temporary war taxes, and your victory taxes. Any stored data, for instance, that which someone consents to being uploaded from their app when they meet test positive, will be destroyed once the pandemic is over. <laughs> no, this is to be for life, folks, for, your, for your, all your vaccinations and your boosters. That's what it's for. I read this years ago, and here it is again. And yet so many are suspicious and refusing to do the decent thing because of a delusional belief that their privacy may be compromised. Can you believe that? So you're, here they are already calling you psychiatric terror. You're delusional, right? If you say no, your privacy may be compromised. You're delusional if you think that. This is what they used in, in the Soviet Union. 
when they locked you up, if you complained about the, about the system in the Soviet Union, you had to be mad since you were living in Utopia, the best system in the world. So they literally had an illness designated just for you. Not kidding you. Here it's here now, eh? The t- disgusting creatures these characters are that push this kind of stuff. You make, they're going to make millions of money off your tax money to imprison you for life. And, and the, the neck to, to, to try to shame you and, and call you delusional because you know your privacy will be compromised. <laughs> if you give your, when you give your privacy out at all, it's compromised, folks. We know that by now. Led by former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce, who says he doesn't want to be tracked by the government. They're clearly willing to put uh, warped self-interest above others' lives. Oh, my God, eh? That's, that's, and you shame yourself. You should just round them up and lock them away, eh? That's coming, folks. I'm not kidding you if you let them get away with this nonsense. And they're doubtless the same people who willingly share photos on Facebook and order Uber Eats and set their Tinder profile to connect with potential dates within a 50-kilometer radius, use Google Maps to get from one place to another, and store their credit card details for ease of use while online shopping. As one app developer has pointed out, Google and Facebook are far more powerful and intrusive than COVID safe. Of course, they're not going to combine it all. Eh? <laughs> so there you go. It's, this is Australia and using the shame technique and calling you delusional. If you say no, you don't trust it. Ah, because of previous experience with all the other apps that you get. And the fact that government can't even keep the stuff safe from your health records or anything else. It's always getting hacked. And then you've got, uh, let's see now, this other article here. Um, Another one too. There's another article to do with um, <laughs> with Boris. Uh, with, with not Boris, but although Boris did put Neil Ferguson on this time again as in charge of the health and yada yada yada, with his faulty models and so on. But um, there's lists there of all the things he screwed up before. The, the ones to do with it, with the meat industry and all the poor animals. There was millions of them got slaughtered. Almost seventeen million or whatever. Because he's faulty, faulty stuff there again, too, and his computer. This, they're treating the computer like a god, eh? The computer predicts. Oh, oh we better kill all the animals, then. Oh, the, the, the computer predicts, oh, we better kill all the people, then, eh? Is that the next step, is it? And then you get this one, too. Um, as I say, I've mentioned the one with, with uh, Buffett and the rest of them, too. And their secret uh, meeting, I'll put it up again. There's another article from a different site, too, I'll put it up with... And it's really interesting uh, how the folk have no idea. They think all this wonderful. As I say, too, you just had a certain number of billions. I said that a few weeks ago, and other folk have pride it since, but a certain amount of billions of dollars. And then suddenly you say, oh, you know something, I'd like, to, I'd like to help the world by reducing the population. It just came to me one night. No, it's because they're all front people, folks, and you live in a very fake world. And they put these people out in front as the leaders. Yes, they equip them awfully well financially, and give them all the massive staffs that you wouldn't believe. Some of them have more staff and bureaucrats working than some small countries have governments and bureaucracies. And especially in, the, in big foundations. Great something, isn't it? And uh, you also see another one too. COVID-19 pandemic has elicited a global response unlike anything we've seen before from government business taking on new roles to respond to the crisis, blah, blah, blah. What happens in the coming months will go one of two ways. 
then they're, they're trying to get you used to the idea of it waning and so on. And other ones too saying, well, you know, it'll come back in force if we go, if we take the, take the lockdown off too quickly. You understand, and I said this at the start, they'll, they'll give you a month at a time, oh, they'll expand it for another month and another month, and, and, and you get used to getting your little handout from your government, your masters, you know, your little, which you only pay for dearly, folks, because everything's, it's, it's all your money, you know, <laughs> you, only, you only pay it all back one way or another, even from, from devaluation of the currency, you know. And uh, they're not going to just stop and, and let it go away unless you make it happen. Unless you make it happen, it's, that's the only thing that's going to happen. To, to, to bring back any kind of uh, reality to anything. If you go along with this whole agenda, they're, they're going to bring this into next year. They said that in the beginning, and they never change what they're on about, you see. Uh, into ne- if they know if they can get this uh, into next year, you're never going to go back to any kind of normality. If they can keep you wearing masks for years, they will. And social distancing, they will. Because they're training you into absurdity. The utter absurdity that the communists, they used to joke about communist dictators at one time. I think Woody Allen even had it in one of his movies. And uh, we're at the end of it. He ends up somehow fighting for a revolutionary cause in Latin America. And at the end, as soon as he achieved victory, the leader of the revolution uh, ends up ordering the folk to to start speaking Swedish and wear their underwear outside their clothing, on top of their clothing. And that's, that's actually taken from a reality that's happened in the past. Not that exact thing, but something similar. This is how they go with, with absurdity. If they can break your, your common sense, there's nothing they cannot do. There's, they've given lectures in universities about this and behaviorism, how they can literally do anything with the public if they can break your, your basic common sense until you cannot trust yourself to actually verify what you are seeing in front of you. You start with changing the names of things, of what you're seeing, things, and then you get government to back it up by laws. And, and, but eventually, they're going to stop. It's the whole technique is not to help anybody or to feel sorry. The whole technique is to change your confidence and your own self-discernment and conclusions. This is a technique that's used in psychological warfare big time, and you're going through it right now. Right now. And you know, it says here, um, there's another possible, well, we're, we're, we're really in the shock of what's happening around us, coming to terms with our new reality. This is about Korea, supposedly. We can seize this moment as a, as a unique window of opportunity. See, so here you go with the CFR stuff. To rebuild our society and economy as we want it. Who's we, folks? Hmm? With scientists warning we have 10 years left to avoid the worst consequences of climate change. This could offer an opportunity to fix the climate crisis before it's too late. Mm. So then they go, this is from the World Economic Forum, eh? What's the, what's, what's the WEF doing about the coronavirus? A new strain, blah, blah, is bringing on the world, causing deaths, major disruption, blah, blah, blah. Responding to this crisis requires global cooperation among governments, world government, you know, that's what it's about, international organizations and the business community, which is the center of the World Economic Forum's mission as international organization for public-private cooperation. No, it's, it's multinational international corporations, not for little private businesses, folks. You don't, you don't, you, you don't get a little gr- grocer going to the World Economic Forum. This is monopolies 
of everything you need for living. Hmm? So the forum has created the COVID Action Platform. You can download that yourself. Wow. A global platform to convene the businesses, the business community for collective action, protect people's livelihoods, and facilitate business continuity and mobilize support for the COVID-19 response. Hmm. With the, the support of the World Health Organization is working and is, is open to all businesses and industry groups as well as other stakeholders, except for the public. You're not a stakeholder, you're a victim. <laughs> Aiming to integrate and inform joint action, eh? So there you go. Mm-mm-mm. This is in 2017 at our annual meeting, right? This is the WEF, World Economic Forum. The Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations was launched, CP, CEPI. Bring together experts from government, business, health, academia, and civil society to accelerate and develop of vaccines. Wow. I mean, big business, eh? Big business by our masters. The people who brand us. Hmm. Okay. So I'll put that up to Lancet. The Lancet Journal, right? It's interesting, this one, too, because I, I, I said a while back that... Uh, uh, if you just watch what was pushed from Fauci and Gates and so on, they'll tell you what medicines they want you to take because everything is, is a big, multi-million, maybe even into the billions worldwide contracts, you understand, for any medication and so on that's involved, which they'll be pushing. And, and I'm sure, too, I'm sure they'll have their little coziness, you know, agreements with the corporation. That's just how things work, folks, you know. When you're run by gangs, yeah? because uh, they're all involved with money with vaccine industries. Some of them even have their own vaccine industries that we're talking about here. And the World Economic Forum working up with them too, right? It's just all out in the open if you bother to care about it. And so here, I was waiting to see them because you had the whole thing about the quinine derivatives too, and the chloroquinines. And Things like that all getting poo-pooed by by Fauci and others. See? Even though it was it was actually advocated during the SARS thing to be used across the Western world by the same authorities. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because this is big money, and and times of crisis, you can demand whatever you want. Government will quite happily pay them billions for this thing. So Lancet publishes the results from inconclusive China study. This is the, f- the first study. I remember mentioning it a while back. That was April 29th. But I'd, I'd already read the article from China before that. And it says that um, Lancet published results from a study China testing Gilead Sciences uh, remdesivir and severely ill hospitalized COVID-19 patients with acute respiratory distress syndrome. 237 patients were enrolled across 10 hospitals in Hubei province. 158 received remdesivir and 79 placebo patients were allowed concomitant treatment with uh, lopinavir uh, and ritonavir and interferons and corticosteroids as well. The primary endpoint was timed to clinical improvement up to days 28. Try to find when you started showing improvement basically to day 28. The findings said time for randomized to the point of decline of two points and a six-point scale of clinical status. So they, they show you one discharge and six deaths, six equals death. Patients receive remdesivir within 10 days of symptom onset, experienced numerically faster times 
to clinical improvement, but the results were not statistically significant. What they showed in China, really, you, you might you might get start getting better one day earlier than if you didn't get it at all. Might it's very iffy, you know. So didn't really see any really significant thing on it at all. But anyway, I noticed that that, that Mr. Um, Fauci, for the first time, came out and advocated using that that same drug. You see, uh, the, so there you go. It's made by the Gilead Company, I think. And uh, so uh, it's pretty well from the start they knew darn well which one they'd eventually advocate to be used. And how come the rest of them are not going to be used? The other ones that are used in China are not going to get used, even though some of them were made in Cuba, <laughs> apparently. Very cheap and they worked, worked too. So there you go. Just make it Everything is so corrupt these days, folks. And you've got to stop thinking of people out there as being some, some kind of angels in these positions. That's how, that's how the media wants to present them to you. But when you, when you dig in and you find incredible financing, they get all from the same circle, and Bill Gates, and it's just incredible. Small, it's just a very small world when it comes to this kind of thing. It really is, you know. It's really something. Really, really something. And folk never catch on. But uh, yeah, that was a Lancet one, and then the, and the, uh, the other one where he's actually mentioned it himself, Mr. Fauci, what he's advocating to be used. Other article too, there is no climate emergency, global network of more than 500 knowledgeable and experienced scientists and professionals in climate and related fields have the honour to address to your excellencies attached European climate declaration for which the signatories to this letter are the national ambassadors. And this is to uh, Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the United Nations. Just to show you, all these scientists and professors are not all on board with it at all. They always tell you all the scientists are, no, they're not. So <laughs> a whole bunch of them signed the whole thing. There's no climate emergency. A global network of 500 scientists and professionals have prepared this urgent message. It says climate science should be less political, while climate policies should be more scientific. It's all politicized, you see, for agendas. Scientists should openly address the uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming. Well, I've got snow outside right now. Well, politicians should dispassionately court the real benefits as well as the imagined costs of adaptation to global warming and the real costs as well as the imagined benefits of mitigation. And the fact, too, there's natural causes of, of warming and cooling, too. It's always been, that's why we've had ice ages and warming. We've even had volcanic periods, but massively, and stuff like that, before there was even people or animals. So you can't really blame humans for causing it, could you? But facts don't matter when there's big agendas. And again, they crossed over the agenda into the, into the disease one. Oh, crisis, crisis, here we go. And I just want to mention, too, that bird flu hit China about the same time as the coronavirus, not for long afterwards, at least, you know. Um, at least it's in February, I think they admitted that uh, there was a bird flu out at the same time, an H5N6 strain. And they started killing off the, 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 the fowl, you know, and a poultry farm, etc. But anyway, that other kinds of flus affected humans at the same time, more, more so than this one. This was hard to get. But uh, facts don't matter. You know, other facts don't matter to bump up the figures and so on. Now, here's the next step, too. You see, they're following the same thing in China. So much has to be accomplished by this infection, right? A whole new way of living, a whole new, new world order, as they call it, right? 
and said, uh, you've had Como going on, but my God, you know, two-thirds of New Yorkers hospitalized with the coronavirus were admitted from their homes. Oh, suddenly they're all shocked, eh? After telling them to get locked down in their homes. And this is a shocking statistic that defies social distancing logic, government Andrew Como said Wednesday. This is the, the curious conclusion was reached in a three-day survey of patients hospitalized with the bug conducted this week and revealed by Como during his daily press briefing. 26% of the people were at home, which is shocking to us, said Como. Why is it shocking since you told them what to stay there? The same survey found that 46% were unemployed. Well, no wonder why. <laughs> you realize these are the geniuses that are ruling our lives, eh? So, yeah, 46% were unemployed. 37% were retired. So that says they're not working, they're not traveling. This guy is definitely a genius. See, these people were literally at home. Oh, wow. No kidding, eh? Despite the twist... Como doubled down on his calls for social distancing and personal response, especially as hospitalization and deaths continue to trend in the right direction. It reinforces what I've been saying, which as much of this comes down to what you do is to protect yourself, Como told reporters at Long Island Hospital. Everything is closed down. Government has done everything it could, and society has done everything it could. Now it's up to you. Are you wearing a mask? Are you doing the hand sanitizer? This guy has no training in anything except chronology. And they say, if you've got young people who are visiting you and maybe out there and maybe less diligent than social distancing, are you staying away from older people? Well, maybe they all live in the same darn home. They can't afford, like you, maybe three or four homes and all the rest of your cronies. Huh? Do you hear this rubbish, eh? I don't know how many homes he actually has. Somebody will come back up with an answer. And only about 4% of respondents, 3% among city residents, listed public transportation as its primary way of getting around. They'll come and noted that 45% didn't respond to that question. Good for them. Understand, this is all again to push for these tracking apps and so on. Or the manacles, the bracelets, or the leg bracelets. It's manacles, folks. That's what they are. They're, they're electronic manacles. Because you're, you're all slaves now, you understand. And the, scientific, the scientists are your major domos. They're the, they're the guys with the whips, you know. And um, they'll use the brutes, you know, to, to come and arrest you and, and drag you off. That's what tyrants always do. And believe you me, Bethlehem Russell was quite right when he said that he, if there's to be an attorney, he, he much preferred it would be, and he hoped it would be a scientific turn. And he said it'd be the worst attorney of all. Well, that's exactly what you're going to see if you go along with this nonsense. Because what they want to do, you see, with this, with, oh my God, they're at home and they're ill. Okay? They want to start coming in your homes, folk, by a lot, which does away with private property rights. I hope you're getting the picture here. I was waiting for it coming, this, this one here. Because they were doing that in China and doing spot checks in folks' homes, no matter who you were. Just can you used to the idea. No, no, you have no rights anymore, you see. This is a whole new paradigm. Property rights, are no, no, no. Mm-mm-mm. And that's why, oh my God, they're getting, they're ill and they're at home, eh? What a mystery this is, eh? A big mystery. Maybe, maybe it's because they can't get out and exercise and they're all getting sick, folks. Hmm? And they can't get the decent food, etc. They're getting sick, eh? Yada, yada, yada. Huh? Perhaps that's what it is. Everything is just part of this big agenda. An article here is interesting, too, because I was going into... 
finding out, you already find who's at the tops of these organizations. You, you, again, you see the spider's webs. Eh? And this one here is um, the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. It's a bioethics committee. It was created by Executive Order 13521, November 24, 2009, when the last so-called fake thing hit at the time. So the Bioethics Commission advised President Barack Obama on bioethical issue, issues arising from advances in biomedicine and related areas of science and technology. It replaces the President's Council on Bioethics, appointed by U.S. President George W. Bush, to advise his administration on bioethics and the National Bioethics Advisory Commission. Like it was last week or the week before I put up uh, articles, a whole bunch of stuff from the Rockefeller Foundation on bioethics, by the way, and all these same characters involved in it. A new way of looking at human life, you see, and, and, and uh, who should die and who should live and should be safe this and save that or whatever. Yadi yadi ya, all that stuff I've been talking about for years. But this one here is interesting because it goes into bioethics for every generation. Deliberation and Education in Health, Science and Technology, published May 2016. I remember too, and you probably remember if you listen to any, I do, I listen to speeches, I try and get a hold of them, even though they're on TV. Because when Obama was running the first time, he mentioned that, he gave an example of his grandmother. Was it really right to try to keep her alive in hospitals? He was getting to the point of bioethics and should we just euthanize people? That's what he was getting to, quite openly. Uh-huh. No, he, he, was their, he was their character. He was their, he was their lad that they, they put into office for the globalists. He, was, he had all, again, as I say, he carried on the wars and expanded the wars and got praise from the neocons that worked with Bush for continuing it. But here you go, it says, um, bioethics for every generation. Anticipate and communicate ethical management of incidents and secondary findings in clinical research. Yada, 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 yada. And it says, Sam Harris, Harris, author of The Moral Landscape, How Science Can Determine Human Values. Well, there you go. Kick religion out the window and science can determine human values. See? They'll determine what's a good value or a, or a bad value. or You know, there you go. So it's publicly noted uh, his discussions with a member of this panel, Sam Harris, specifically regarding the hypothesis of a society that blinds every third citizen for religious reasons. The panel member found this unobjectionable for members of this culture, while Harris found this practice objectively wrong. Harris details a script of, of this conversation in chapter 2 of his book, it says here. It goes on and on and on, but I'm just, I'm just trying to get to show you the members of them. You'll see the same characters, members of it, who are listed uh, 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 parts of the, of the bioethics team. Articles, you'll see articles put up by them in this present virus little campaign, you see. But you also find, too, that Somebody who, who's at the head of one of these organizations, and maybe even this very one, is the wife of uh, the person who's on the TV every night, apparently, um, giving advice about uh, how to live and yada yada and the, the disease, the top kind of disease, etc. It's, um, it's quite interesting to, to find the connections of who these people, particularly these people, actually are. Now, bioethics, eh? Bioethics and bioethics commissions, eh? And they get Christine Grady, eh? 
Who's Christine Grady? An American nurse and a bioethicist who serves as the head of the Department of Bioethics at the National Institutes of Health and Clinical Clinical Center. Hmm? Graduated from Livingston High School, blah, blah, in Georgetown University, all the right places. eh? Master of Science in Nursing, Boston College. PhD in Philosophy and Bioethics from Georgetown University. And uh, she worked with the HIV. I guess that's where she met her husband, Mr. Fauci. And then she was a commissioner on the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues from 2010 and 2017. Small world, isn't it, eh? She's a senior fellow at the Kennedy Institute of Ethics and fellow of the Hastings Center in American Academy of Nursing, and, and so on and so on. She's got all these awards, yada, yada, which naturally, if you're married to Fauci, you're going to have lots of uh, institutions to be associated with and take awards and yada, yada, yada. Eh? Isn't that amazing? So it's uh, bioethics, you know, who should live and who should die and well, that kind of stuff, isn't it? Eh? Isn't that something? Ain't that something? Another little article. Lee Camp, while pandemic destroys so many lives, the surveillance state celebrates. If they're able to attract violators who follow within a flying spit particle of someone else, then it stands to reason they could choose to attract pretty much any other type of behavior. Of course they will. We don't fight back against the secretive surveillance state growing steadily around us. Your wife, husband, may find out you love a, a Cinnabon more than you love her or him, and that might be just the beginning of it. But many of us remain quarantined and well to your home ap- apartment or RV in an abandoned Walmart parking lot. The surveillance state is actually stretching its legs, brought out for a run by our friendly neighborhood oligarchs like a young golden retriever let off his leash on a nice day. Unfortunately, in this case, what's retrie- it's retrieving is all of our information, movements, thoughts, and desires. And it's a worthwhile article. These are all worthwhile articles to read. They get you off the usual TV version of authorized spieling propaganda. It really is. You've got to look into other things, too. And... Um, uh, this is an oddball thing I was, I was touched on too when I was going through some stuff today was that if you heard of Timber Sycamore hmm, and its operational scope was weapons sales and training of Syrian rebel forces against Assad by the West it's admitted to now planned by the Central American Intelligence Agency and uh, it says it's a classified weapons supply and training program run by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency and supported by some Arab intelligence services such as the security service in Saudi Arabia launched in 2012 or 2013 it supplied money, weaponry and training to rebel forces fitting Syrian President Bashar al-Assad in the Syrian civil war it wasn't a civil war at all it was outside created war according to US officials the program was run by the CIA's Special Activities Division and has trained thousands of rebels. And President Barack Obama secretly authorized the CIA to begin arming Syria's embattled rebels 2013. I remember at the time reading the articles on the air, and it says the program's existence was suspected after the U.S. Federal Business Opportunities website publicly solicited contract bids to ship tons of weaponry from Eastern Europe to Tasuko, Turkey, and Akabad, Jordan. They were also shipping stuff through, I remember reading at the time, through Qatar. 
don't they call it Qatar now, but uh, that's what they were doing with it too. And it was just so obvious to people at the time that we're, we're, this strange CIA organization has been overthrowing governments across the planet since its inception. And, it, and literally it uses the U.S. as the funding mechanism of taxpayers. And, um, and it's an agenda completely alien to, to the American mentality. They have a, they're a different agenda, which folks can't really fathom out. And part of the globalization of it, the management of the world society, that's part of it, of course it is. But this is a, a good enough article here to give you an idea of it too. It gives you some of the history of it. Um, as it was similar to other Pentagon or CIA-run weapons, uh, routing and training programs established in previous decades to support foreign rebel forces. Greg Miller and Adam Entus of the Washington Post, and the links are all here, stated that the, the operation has served as the centerpiece of the U.S. strategy to press Syrian President Bashar al-Assad to step aside. The program's principal backers were the United States and Saudi Arabia, was also supported by some other regional Arab governments and by the United Kingdom. Well, Saudi Arabia provides more money and weaponry than the, uh, the U.S. leads training and military equipment. The program was based in Jordan due to that country's proximity to the battlefields in Syria. According to the New York Times, the program initially allowed U.S. forces to train Syrian rebels in use of military equipment, but not to directly provide the equipment itself. That was, these are all legalities they get around. Eh? A few months after its creation, it was amended to allow the CIA to both train and equip rebel forces. That's why, by the way, one of the reasons they also got... Uh, Khomeini and Libya out the way. Apart from grabbing the oil and different stuff too there as well. And it's a massive reservoir of, of fresh water uh, to, to get piped elsewhere to you know a, a, another neighbouring country. And they, they dumped stacks of weapons there. The, the ambassadors were talking about all this weaponry. that, that And these, these strange foreign fighters were just coming in and just taking the stuff and walking off. That, that was, these were the armies that were preparing to go and invade Syria. That's what all that was about. The, tr- the American troops were <laughs> guarding the stuff, and they were told to just let these guys come and go and take what they wanted, basically. So, you know, and of course Europe ends up with a massive, massive over- overflowing refugee crisis. It came out of it, the backlash, the blowback, all predicted, mind you. But they don't stop, and they never will stop, because we, the, the people have no say about what governments are up to. And those strange associations are grafted onto the governments. We're, we're not living in any kind of representative governments. Really aren't at all. And it wouldn't matter what party you voted for. They'd all, they'd all go along with it too, by the way. This other article is quite good too. I've mentioned it before, April 21st. John Whitehead's commentary, Human Lab Rats, U.S. Government's Secret History of Grizzly Experiments, says the... I have never known any government to put the best interests of its people first, and this COVID-19 pandemic is no exception. This isn't intended to be a debate over COVID-19 is a legitimate health crisis or manufactured threat. Such crises can and are manipulated by governments in order to expand their powers. That's dead on. Yeah. It says, the, well, the US government is currently looking into the possibility that novel coronavirus spread from a Chinese laboratory rather than a market. The virus could just as easily have been created by the U.S. government or one of its allies. After all, grizzly experiments, barbaric behavior, and inhumane conditions have become synonymous with the U.S. government, which has meted out untold horrors against humans and animals alike. 
For instance, did you know that the U.S. government has been buying hundreds, this is interesting, buying hundreds of dogs and cats from Asian meat markets. Did you know that? It's a big program, it's on the go. As part of a gruesome experiment into foodborne illnesses, that's the excuses given for it. They buy it from China and everywhere, you know. The cannibalistic experiments involve killing cats and dogs purchased from Colombia, Brazil, Vietnam, China, and Ethiopia, and then feeding the dead remains to laboratory kittens, bred in government laboratories for the express purpose of being infected with a disease and then killed. And then they can analyze it, you see. Now this article, I'm going to read some more, it's pretty gruesome actually, but all, it's all uh, factual and verifiable and admitted to you can imagine what they're not admitting to eh? but before I go on I'll just mention too that uh, I've I've seen the documentaries put out when the communists were leading the world in the 1930s and, and they were uh, getting financed by the West and clothed by the West and fed by the West even as they were starving their own people especially in in places like Ukraine and they were selling the grain off at their abroad in fact it was like a roundabout of grain. We were feeding Russia as they were killing off their own farmers in the Ukraine and in their Soviet bloc countries. But they put out, there were champions, you see, of the secular society. That's what really the West was so enthralled about because they were doing this big experiment using secular, a secular type government. And science would rule, common sense and, and practicality and science and technocracy would rule where you wouldn't be, have to be bothered with human emotions and things. Just get it done. Efficiency, you see. And uh, they put out all this, this documentation on the experiments. As I've mentioned before, they cut off dogs' heads. And you can actually see what they put to, gave to Britain as a part of the experiment and, and the declaration of how, how advanced they were because they, they kept the head alive by putting blood through it artificially. And it just a head and a platter and the blood going in and going out. And they, they would tickle its nose and stuff. And, and, and so interestingly, just jot down the, 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 the reactions of the dog and so on its nervous tissue and yada, 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 and its reflexes. And, and I know they didn't stop there because I've already seen the photographs of much, much earlier where they had prisoners, like a long hut of them, like one of these mizzen huts. And on either side, you had, you had these people with, with the tops of their skulls removed. They were prisoners. They were testing them out too. But for the public, for the West, they showed you the dogs ones. Uh, but this is this is science. Science will go this whole way. The very thing that Bertrand Russell's apl- applauded, he said it'd be absolutely a, a, a tyranny, a really horrific one. But he said that's the one he preferred. Well, here you are, folks. It's still going on, eh? And this is the one they publish for the public here. So the Department of Veterans Affairs has been removing parts of dogs' brains to see how it affects their breathing. I wonder what will happen if we take their part of this brain out, applying electrodes to dogs' spinal cords before and after severing them to see what impacts their cough reflexes and implanting pacemakers in dogs' hearts and then introducing them to have heart attacks before draining their blood. All of the laboratory dogs are then killed during the course of the experiments. Maybe it's big big business, eh? Maybe they want to see how they can work it out and they can get better ways to put implants and pacemakers in humans by, by doing the same thing. They'll kill off our hearts and give us pacemakers and artificial hearts. <laughs> 
going to make a big business of who knows, who knows. But this is where your tax money goes, eh? Department of Veterans Affairs, eh? It's not just animals that are being treated like lab rats by the government agencies. We, the people, have also become the police state's guinea pigs to be caged, branded, experimented upon without our knowledge or consent, and then conveniently discarded and left to suffer from the after effects. And there's a link, too, to um, previous things which they've done to the public, like I said before, even down to sensual human experiments. Back in 2017, FEMA inadvertently, they said, exposed nearly 10,000 firefighters, paramedics and other responders to a deadly form of ricin during a simulated bioterrorism response session. I wonder how they, whenever they do these simulated anything, the real thing happens, eh? Isn't it? How can you, how can you inadvertently expose 10,000 firefighters, paramedics and other responders to a deadly form of ricin? Huh? during simulated bioterrorism. No, that was bioterrorism by your own people. It says in 2015, it was discovered that an army lab had been mistakenly shipping deadly anthrax to labs and defense contractors for a decade. A decade, 10 years, eh? Anthrax to lab, to labs and defense contract for, for 10 years, mistakenly, eh? Well, these particular incidents have been dismissed as accidents. You don't have to dig very deep or go back very far in the nation's history to uncover numerous cases in which the government deliberately contract conducted secret experiments on an unsuspecting populace. I mentioned some of them in the past, and the links are here to it, by the way. And uh, it's called NBC News, uh, with the, the different things that they've tried in the past. Citizens and non-citizens alike making healthy people sick by spraying them with chemicals, injecting them with an infectious diseases, and exposing them to airborne toxins. You're supposed to trust your governments now, though, you know. That's all off maybe five years ago. I mean, they're all better now. They're, you know, they're, they've improved. <laughs> At the time, the government reasoned that it was legitimate to experiment on people who did not have full rights in society, such as prisoners, mental patients, and poor blacks. Now, I'll add to that list now for that one I read for the, for the kind of promotional thing for that app in Australia, for people who just don't want to there'd be a threat to the rest of society uh, by not taking the app, for goodness sake. Maybe experimenting them too. In Alabama, for example, 600 black men with syphilis were allowed to suffer without proper medical treatment in order to study the, the natural progression of untreated syphilis. In California, older prisoners had testicles from livestock and from recently executed convicts implanted in them. Can you believe that? Huh? To test their virility. That actually... <laughs> you know, these prisoners would obviously die when they had a foreign... from a different... another body, a foreign body, put into them, eh? Huh? And in, in Connecticut, mental patients were injected with hepatitis. For the big pharma companies and the treatment companies and stuff like that, and vaccine companies. In Maryland, sleeping prisoners had a pandemic flu virus sprayed up their noses. Georgia, two dozen volunteering prison inmates had gonorrhea bacteria pumped directly into their urinary tracts through the penis. Imaging male patients at an insane asylum were exposed to the flu. You see, they're, they're using people literally who, who had, have no rights. They have no rights really in, or, or, or even mental abilities to often know what to do or even sue or whatever. Never be heard of again, you understand that. And yet they want to do all the things to you 
doing a crisis thing, the way it pumps stuff into you, and using the, te- the technique of crisis and, 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 and shaming. If you don't go along with it, you could harm other people. Well, if everybody got the vaccine, they'd be safe, wouldn't they, if it works, eh? That negates that argument. If you didn't want to take it. And the Minnesota 11 public service employees called volunteers were injected with malaria, then starved for five days. In New York dying patients had cancer cells introduced into their systems. And in Ohio, over 100 inmates were injected with live cancer cells. And they also put deadly stomach viruses in too, and blah, 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 blah. Just horrible, horrible, horrible. But as I say, they always try to do it with people who can't get any any support or justice done. But uh, you understand, if it was so, if everything was so up and above board, why would they be doing this in secret with people who can't fight back? Huh? You better understand who, who you're dealing with here. You better understand, folks. Who owns the environmentalist movement? This is quite a good one, too. It's, um, the article is adapted from Chapter 10 of the Holes in the Ozone Scare, the scientific evidence that the sky isn't falling, published June 1992 by 21st Century and now in its second printing. 25 years ago, those who believed that Mother Nature comes first and humankind second were part of an insignificant fringe, Considered radical by most Americans, these environmentalists were visibly most visible mostly at the level of the anti-nuclear street demonstration, where marijuana smoke wafted round the Back to Nature posters on display. Today, however, what used to be extremist environmentalist ideology has become mainstream, permeating American institutions at every level, from corporate boardrooms to Federal Reserve, the Congress, the White House, the churches, homes, and schools, because it's an official agenda. Yeah, they used the hippies to start it all and, and carried on from there. Uh, they create the crisis and then they don't let it go to waste, you see. So this works and if folk follows it, you can use them. Very efficient for that, that, that point of view, you see, that technique. So official law from the environmental movement's publication assert that the movement emerged from the grassroots. The truth, however, is that funding and policy lines come from the most prestigious institutions of the Eastern Liberal Establishment Center around New York, Council on Foreign Relations and include the Trilateral Commission, the Aspen Institute, and a host of private family foundations. All the big ones too, the Rockefellers too, Ford, Carnegie, and the rest of them. The network of foundations created environmentalism, moving it from a radical French movement into a mass movement to support the institutionalization of anti-science, no-growth policies at all levels of government and public life, as prescribed in the Council on Foreign Relations 1980s project book series environmentalism is used against America's economy, against such targets as high technology agriculture and the nuclear power industry. The movement is fundamentally a green pagan religion in its outlook, unless defeated it will destroy not only the economy, but also the Judean Christian culture of the US. But it's been used, as I say, um, by the big ones at the top, the big corporations, you see, to bring in their own forms of energy and don't forget, you, you can get you can go into austerities to cut back energy. And you say, well, why would the corporations that supply the power do that? Because because they won't lose anything if they quadruple and, and increase the cost of the energy by giving you less. Don't you get it? It's quite easy to do. 
and they're all on board with it. And it's less work for them. It produces much energy for you, see? Quite amazing, eh? But the foundations and their funding is quite interesting in this particular article. And it gives you a list of the revenues of a sampling of 30 environmental groups. These few groups alone had revenues of more than $1.17 billion in 1990, when they were starting a lot of it. This list, it must be emphasized, by no means includes all of these environmental businesses. And they are environmental businesses. And it's estimated there are more than 3,000 so-called non-profit environmental groups in the U.S. today, and most of them take in more than a million dollars a year. And it gives the names of some of them and what they bring in for those who care to look at it. Um, but again, you find it's all, they're all con- connected too, as I say, with the big foundations, uh, with UNESCO, with the World Wildlife Fund, and, um, and all the groups that... Uh, Prince Philip, who was involved with, he gave speeches about depopulation, etc. And he's all for it, quite openly, by the way, you know. And the Sierra Club and many others that he's in charge, he was at the head of the titular head. I think I think one of his other offspring has taken over that position now that he's sold now. And the USC, Emory, creating coronavirus surveillance systems similar to China's social credit scoring. You understand it's all the same thing, that's from Breitbart. And China launched its notorious social credit system last year to watch over its own citizens and mete out punishment based on personal behavior and loyalty to the Communist Party. Now, three prominent U.S. universities are using taxpayer money, naturally, to create... You understand it's your fellow people or citizens that are your own worst enemies. The greed factor uh, is how all tyrannies flourish. They have no problem getting people to, to browbeat you or even manacle you or chain you or put you in, in black holes and, and close the lid uh, for money. Eh? They say filthy looker. It's, it doesn't change, folks. I've always said that, that, that no nation in history has been short of thugs they can employ from the from the, the base types to club you to death if you don't comply or if they want to take taxes off you which used to be you know, farm animals and wheat and what god knows what else and, and now it's money but they've no they've no and and it doesn't matter how how how, dr- how you dress them up to look civilized and suit some of the tax collectors they're still the same brutes really as well they have no conscience at all and uh, they don't care who they damage they're and for their own personal profit and and their own wealth that they rake in off the taxpayers. Uh, but the, the brutes, too, that enforce it all, it's all one big gang. Uh, no nation has ever been short of, of uh, candidates for this. It's just sad that they've got it. It, it, just, it, just, it never gets... It, it, it's like the communists used to say, and that part was true, uh, that the capitalists would sell us enough rope to eventually hang them. And your fellow citizens are the ones that do it, folks, and they'll hang in you for, for, for their, own, <laughs> their own well-being, Uh-oh, financial well-being. So it says here, uh, the tech news outlets dot LA recently reported the researchers at the University of Southern California, Emory University, University of Texas Health Science Center have received a federal grant to create a mobile app for contact tracing the novel coronavirus. And it's everything else from, from you know, darn well from ever and ever. Amen. It's not just for one little thing. We'll track a person's real time location and symptoms and calculate a personal COVID-19 risk score. It's the same thing, eh? As the as the credit score too, all lapped in one.
or all grouped into one. USC's Cyrus Shahabi, chair of the computer science department, told .la the university's hope to have a working model uh, mobile app by August in time for the start of the fall semester. And again, the same rubbish. I'll warn you, the public, to avoid hot spots of infection. <laughs> Another instance, people who have been assigned high personal risk scores might decide to stay home or get tested for COVID-19. <laughs> but the project, whose federal grant money comes from the National Science Foundation, has already raised red flags in terms of privacy and potential for Big Brother-style abuse. Well, it's, I don't care what they say or what safeguards they say, it's going to be used for the agenda regardless, totally, completely. In China, for instance, it says the credit system there has blacklisted more than 13 million citizens as an untrustworthy. That's anyone who questions anything the government's doing is untrustworthy. According to, recent, according to a recent report from the state-run Global Times, the report didn't say what these individuals did to land on the list, but the regime has revealed this system assigns a numerical score to every Chinese citizen based on how much the Communist Party approves of his or her behavior. It's the same thing you're getting with... Um, Facebook and the Twitter and all the rest of it. There's articles there that, that uh, Facebook's um, employed a whole panel of what they call judges, like a star chamber, who decide to either behead you or not behead you according to whatever you've dared to say, which is politically incorrect and, and not allowed. It's verboten. There you go. And uh, we need an army of contact tracers to meet the enforcement arm of the new normal. Oh, wow. Ooh. As the people of the world grapple with the pandemic, demonstrated less deadly than originally reported, the public is being primed to accept an exponential increase in invasions of personal liberty and privacy. Every day the public grows more weary of lockdowns, which seem to never end, and the bankrupting of individuals and businesses around the world. Amidst the frustration and protest, a solution is being presented. To return to normal, we're told, you must accept certain changes to how our world operates. Of course, this is actually a push to a new normal, which will mark the world after COVID-19. There you go, eh? Mm. And just like the attacks of September 11, 2001, there's the world we knew before, and then there's the post-9-11 era. We're currently on the middle of the COVID-19 era, and a shift to COVID-19 life will not happen without completion of local, state, national, and inter- international programs which identify potential infectees, test them, and if positive, quarantine them in their homes or other government facilities. Yet, you know what you, <laughs> what's going to happen, folks, is um, even if you comply with it, you see, you'll never please the masters as they, as they push the next step of what they want, the next step what they want, so... Uh, so if you eventually complain about anything, just like the Chinese credit st- score, you go into a grocery store and your app might show that you're uninfected, but you'll still get a red uh, glaring alarm going off because because you said something that's, that's politically incorrect and they're not pleased with you. In China, you understand, when it goes red, and if you're in a store and it goes red for you, your phone, the police will come to your location and grab you. <laughs> Isn't this a wonderful scenario, eh? Of democracy and stuff where, where big international corporations rule our lives in collusion with government, which they used to call this fascistic and fascism. There you go. That's just astonishing. And once enough of the, the fools go and get it, you see, the ones who say, I'm not going to get that app, 
then this will make it compulsory. Well, the rest will have accepted. What's wrong with you? You didn't mind. That's what, see, this democracy is great for that, that herd mentality. They always take the path of least resistance. And they all want to be good, you understand? I'll be good and I'll do what I'm told. And why aren't you doing what you're told? You know, well, we all took it, you know. What's your problem? And that's what government says. Well, they took it. What's your problem? <laughs> uh, it's all predictable, isn't it? It's all been done before in other ways, you see. Why change the methods if they work? And another one, too, is to do with... Um, well, there's a lot of articles on that very topic. I won't go into any more of them, actually. And the WHO official WHO floats removing the infected from their homes. They like said it too, with like um, like the mayor in New York there too. You know, he he talked about oh, they're all, you know, there's more in their homes now. Got it, even though they haven't been out for goodness' sake. You know, isn't that amazing? It's all a mystery, isn't it? It's a mystery. So they're moving the infected from their homes to stop the spread. See, I end of private property. This is the next step, folks. They're all when you hear them all part in the same lines exactly across the world from the same organizations and, and, and departments of governments, they're all on board with the one a singular head at the top, folks. Mm-mm-mm. Weapons of mass destruction. Dr. Michael Ryan, executive director of World Health Organization's Health Emergencies Program, right? Suggested during the March 30 press conference. Remember, the World Health Organization is funded primarily by Bill Gates. <laughs> a private company. The individuals infected with the Chinese coronavirus should be removed from their homes to prevent further spread of the deadly disease. Well, we didn't have it if they grabbed you mistakenly in the Putin Award, but they'll soon have it, I'm telling you. The clip first reported by Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson shows Ryan warning that most of the transmission is actually happening in many countries is happening in the household at family level before he speculates on measures to prevent infection of patients' relatives. Hmm. I tell you. It says, to get to get the terms right, it says, and explain ourselves, to get, to, we tend to use the word isolation for someone who is in a case confirmed, as Dr. Michael Ryan. They tend to, it doesn't say they always do, but they tend to. We, we tend to use the word quarantine for someone who's at risk of being a case, usually a contact. So on that basis, we advise that all suspect cases are tested and all suspect cases are isolated in appropriate medical facility. And their tests are all, I've got stuff here where a guy was tested twice in the same day, one's positive, one's negative. It's, it's a joke, the testing system, folks. It really is. And I've done talks now already, so I won't go into it all here. But here they've gone with it again, too. And, and But they definitely want into your homes now. I hope you're, I hope you're getting that, this picture here, folks. And they will do it. The more you back off and take a step back and a step back, they'll keep walking forward with the next demand, the next demand. It's all worked out in advance, you see. Huh? It's a whole agenda for a whole new world system of managing the people. And you can't have private property. They said that in the Communist Manifesto. They said that in, 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 in the, the, the rights of Freemasonry, Albert Pike. You know, he said private property. Yeah, can't we have that? It's all the same agenda, isn't that strange? Eh? Hmm. Big capitalists say the same thing about you because they want to own all the private property to rent to you. You see, that's the big agenda worldwide. Mm-hmm. And this one here is um, world depopulation, eh? World depopulation. You went into the Club of Rome. This is their published 
article that goes on to here, right? So world depopulation is top NSA agenda, National Security Agency agenda, Club of Rome. The Hague Kissinger depopulation policy by Lonnie Wolf. That, that was the Executive Intelligence Review uh, put out March the 10th, 1981. And they go into this whole idea of reducing the population by 2 billion or whatever through war, famine, disease, and any other means necessary. The apparatus, which includes various levels of the government, is determining U.S. foreign policy and every political hotspot, El Salvador and so-called Arca crisis in the Persian Gulf, Latin America, Southeast Asia and Africa. The goal of U.S. foreign policy is population reduction. The targeting agency for operation is the National Security Council's ad hoc group on population policy from the NSC. Its policy planning group is the U.S. State Department's Office of Population Affairs. You know who set these departments up? It was the Rockefeller Group, eh? even for the United Nations one, Population Department. Established in 1975, this one by Henry Kissinger. This group drafted the Carter Administration's Global 2000 document, which calls for global population reduction, and the same apparatus is conducting the civil war in El Salvador as a conscious depopulation project. This is, this is 1981. It goes on to say, there's a single theme behind all our work. This is the NSC, eh? Says Thomas Ferguson, another Ferguson, eh? The Latin American case officer for the State Department's Officer of Population Affairs. Did you know you had one, eh? Are they, governments, do it our way through nice, clean methods, or they will get the kind of mess that we have in El Salvador or in Iran? This is 1981, right? Or in Beirut, population is a political problem. Once population is out of control, it requires authoritarian government, even fascism, to reduce it. Ding, 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 ding. The professionals, said Ferguson, aren't interested in lowering population for humanitarian reasons. That sounds nice. We look at resources and environmental constraints. We look at our strategic needs and we say that this country must lower its population or else we will have trouble. And it goes on and on and on. Old article, you know. And um, some people used to complain about the guy who owned uh, the organization, Executive Intelligence Review. But they put a lot of good factual information regardless, and that cannot be doubted. You can check it all yourself and see the articles and so on. Quite amazing, though. But um, it says here, too, um, so steps are taken right, if you don't comply. El Salvador is an example where a failure to lower population by simple means has created the basis for a national security crisis. See, this brings you in. to something that George Orwell understood, and he put it in 1984. When you're going through the book and so on, you think it's a resistance movement to the order, and you find out, no, it's been set up by the ones who control the order. They, they, they create your opposition. That, that never changes, folks. <laughs> the big opposition, you can, you can generally smell the rats and so on. But... They find out too that wars aren't meant when they when they when they get this discourse in the book that that, uh, that uh, Winston is given by O'Brien, who's the High Order member. 
the book says that wars aren't meant to win, they're meant to simply just be continued. It doesn't matter who they're continued with, keep the wars going. That's the, well, you ever think about the depopulation agenda here? And all this stuff, all through Latin America, with the School of the Americas, remember that they're, they're training them all, sending them all down to these different countries, and they would go, they would set up, a, a, again, a Hegelian dialectic, so you, so you get the, the existing regime, and you create this opposition, that's what Hegelianism's about, you see, the thesis, and then you create the antithesis, something to, to go against it, and you get the, the, the strife starting, and out of the strife you get the desired outcome, where you want it to go to, and that's your synthesis. And that's what the, the, the School of Americas, they were all over the place killing in, uh, either on, be, on behalf of the right-wingers or even the left-wingers. As long as the wars were kept going and down comes the population, folk can't farm starvation, and yada, 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 yada. This is technique. I hope you understand this. That's what really runs the world. It's very efficient. Uh, it's disguised. It can only operate with our, the fact that we, we refuse to accept what we're seeing. Go into disbelief, you know. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know that. It's, it's too bad. I don't want to hear that. It upsets my paradigm. That's how it is, folks. So it says civil wars are somewhat drawn out ways to reduce population. The OPA official added the quickest way to reduce population is through famine, like in Africa, or through disease, like the Black Death, all of which might occur in El Salvador. Ferguson's OPA monitors population in the third world and maps strategies to reduce them. Its budget um, for the year 1980 was $190 million. There's a lot of cash back then, too. Well, you, know, you can probably see the billions in today because it's, the currency is devalued so much. It will be $220 million uh, eventually, as if for 81. And the Global 2000 report calls for doubling that figure. The sphere of, of Kissinger, 1975. OPA was brought under a reorganized State Department Bureau of Oceans, International Environment, and Scientific Affairs. So how disguised it, eh? From depopulation and so on, and population control. And let's call it um, the State Department's Bureau of Oceans, International Environment, and Scientific Affairs, a body created by Henry Kissinger. Remember, Henry Kissinger, too, brought out that, that little bill. Uh, and he said that uh, he, uh, from another one too, and they both agreed, a uh, person in the government, along with Kissinger, agreed that the greatest enemy of the state was uh, overpopulation. Anyway, it's a long enough article, and I won't read it all here. You can read it yourselves if you want to. And other folks will do it and put it into shows very quickly, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, another article too, and it was from Robert F. Kennedy Jr., does the coronavirus pandemic serve a global agenda? Very interesting article. And they go into it as well too. I'll put that up. And uh, again, I'm getting back to what, what I've done before, but from uh, 21st Century Wire, it was 23rd of December 2019. Very uh, appropriate time to bring it to. Bill Gates, MIT, or coincidental really, and MIT developed new tattoo ID to check for vaccinations. I've done this one before. But you've you got to keep repeating things occasionally for the people who are overwhelmed with extra stuff. If you keep on the basic stuff, then you can argue back at least when you have an idea of, of at least five different parts of this big agenda and uh, what's coming along the pike. And what's really important, because anybody takes this tattoo idea, uh, I really, you know, it's beyond brave new world, folks. 
and and uh, it's not going to be anything like Braven. You're going to go into real austerity. And literally, I mean, at least in Brave, at least at least in, in 1984, Winston could get a little corner where the camera couldn't see him to write his little diary, you know, with the total total monitoring of everywhere that you're going to be at all times. You couldn't even have peace to do that. Now we understand this, so that those your masters, your owners, can feel safe when you're completely monitored 24 hours a day. You know, this article goes into the the, the whole idea of it, and the, the so-called invisible tattoos accompanying the vaccine is a pattern made up of minuscule quantum dots, tiny semiconducting crystals that reflect light that glows under infrared light. The pattern and vaccine gets delivered into the skin using high-tech dissolvable microneedles made of a mixture of polymers and sugar. And it's public with links too to the publishing of it too in Science Mag. It came out in, in the Journal of Science Translational Medicine. Can you call it? It's put under translational medicine, a ta- tattoo in you. Yeah. So it says they found a covert way to, to embed the record of a vaccination directly in a patient's skin rather than documenting it electronically or on paper. Mm-mm-mm. What a hell on earth, eh? And hell on earth they're bringing in under this guise. Hmm? I tell you. I love, too, how they've suddenly changed their minds on, on, the, on the source of this thing. This particular disease, as they go forward with their their business agreements with China and the U.S. and Britain and Europe, and that's all. It's all business, folks, you know. And who's going to get big lump sums from whoever was responsible? Uh, as they go along with it, and and Fauci says, "Yeah, it probably suddenly, suddenly, it just appeared nature, you know, this thing by itself." After, after going through all the paraphernalia of it's a man-made thing in my garden, that, that's what really terrified the public. It wasn't natural. Then, then it's, it's, it's even more scary if it's made in a lab that deals in sort of biochemistry or biowarfare. It's all the same thing, folks, when you gain a function. But this did it all by itself, supposedly. Eh? And uh, so Because they've agreed on things, and big lump sums of billions of dollars will change hands to make them all come to the same conclusion. You can always smell it, you know. That's how business is really done in the world, between governments and important people. So the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the clearinghouse for the web of U.S. spy agencies, even if a clearinghouse, right, said it had uh, ruled out the virus being man-made, right? So this is nothing, they're not scientists there in that area, but they've ruled out the virus being man-made, but we're still investigating the precise source of the global pandemic, which killed more than 220,000 people worldwide. Mm. Although that's not a lot of people. And then they're lumping everybody in with, with all their symptoms with it. Mm. Hey, I tell you. I mean, they try to say that the whole world is locked down forever here for this. And folk are dying every day of normal things anyway. We all do eventually, folks. I see that the Hancock in Britain, the minister in charge of health, supposedly, said that 10,000 folk a month die normally in Britain. Normally. And they balance out between births and deaths. That's what they always do, eh? 
So anyway, as I say, they'll come to agreements and money, big, big time money, and, and big favours flow back and forth and all that. And they'll say, well, yeah, it was just happened naturally. It was one of these things. A, a, a mosquito grabbed it and, and, and altered it in its body by mistake, you know, just by pure chance, and it then bit somebody, you know. Yeah. Or maybe a, a bat ate the mosquito, right? Maybe, 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 maybe forever. You get degrees and maybes when you go into this particular field. And you can be an expert in, 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 in maybes. And then you go into this article, the dubious COVID models, the tests, and now the consequences. And that's Global Research, uh, William Engdahl. And it says, two major models are being used in the West since the alleged spread of coronavirus to Europe and USA to predict and respond to the spread of COVID-19. One developed at Imperial College London, the second developed with emphasis on USA effects by the University of Washington's Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation in Seattle, near the home of Microsoft founder uh, Bill Gates. <laughs> well, few know is that both groups uh, owe their existence to generous funding by a tax-exempt foundation that stands to make literally billions on purported vaccines and other drugs to treat coronavirus, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Quite a good article this. Early March, Professor Neil Ferguson, head of the MRC Centre for Global Infectious Disease Analysis, Peel College London, issued a widely discussed model that focused possible COVID-19 deaths in the UK as high as 500,000. It was closely with the WHO, WHO, that report was held responsible for a dramatic U-turn by the UK government from a traditional public health policy of isolating at-risk patients while allowing society and the economy to function normally. Days after the UK went on lockdown, Ferguson's Institute sheepishly uh, revised downward his death estimates several times and dramatically. His dire uh, warnings have not come to pass. The UK economy, like most others around the world, has gone into deep crisis based on inflated estimates. But they go into um, how they use these models, these computer models, to 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 give them the, the, the outcomes that they want. It's the same. The climate models are the same. <laughs> What's it you want? Okay, we'll work, we'll work on that and, and program the computer, and I'll give you all these scary, scary scenarios. Two thousand Ferguson predicted that up to five, fifty thousand people in the UK would die from variant Creutzfeldt Jakob disease, mad cow disease, possibly. 250,000 if the epidemic extended to include sheep. That was back then. I remember that all happened. Horrible it was. Oh, yeah, 50,000 people in the UK could die from it, he says, Mr. Ferguson. And it says, um, possibly 150,000 if the epidemic expanded to include sheep, he says. A total of 178 people were officially registered dead from from the, the, the Crossfield Jacob uh, disease. And even at that, uh, it's, it's very iffy if there's other neurological problems instead. In 2005, Fergus claimed up to 2 million, 200 million people, wow, in 2005 would be killed by bird flu or H5N1. This guy should work for horror movies, really. You could meet some great scripts on it, couldn't you? I mean, you really could. By early 2006, the WHO had only linked 78 deaths to the virus. A big difference, eh? Two or eight million to 78 deaths. Mm. Then 2009, Ferguson's group at the Imperial College advised a government that swine flu or H1N1 would probably kill 65,000 people in the UK. In the end, swine flu claimed the lives of 457 people. 
Ferguson and his Imperial College group have a notoriously bad track record for predicting disease consequences. Mm. And he hasn't stopped yet, as we know. Eh? Good article, though. And they bring in Dr. Anthony Fauci of his own private group, the NIAID, probably contrived President Trump, and pressured him to declare a national health emergency, much as in the UK once damage the economy was begun. Ferguson's model later drastically lowered the US fatality estimates to between 100,000 to 200,000 deaths. In both US and UK cases, Neil Ferguson relied on data from the Chinese government, data which had been shown as unreliable. Mm-mm-mm. But also, they're all involved, as I say, with Bill Melinda Gates and the Gavi, the, the, the Vaccine Alliance. All of them, all these people are involved in the same organizations. Hmm. And also, 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 eh? never let a crisis go to waste. Hmm. And it says the coronavirus is spreading off for the first time in history. Virtually all people on Earth are faced with the same imminent common threat. Multifold stories, blah, 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 individual suffering, unprecedented global lockdown, the intensifying call for internationally coordinated response is in every country's interest to think and act globally. You're starting to get a sniff of where it's all from, eh? Are you? And it says that the question arises where global threats like the coronavirus are isolated phenomenon, blah, 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 blah. And and it's possibly environmental stress as well, common feature associated with our economic system. We've been certain that this will not be the last global crisis. And, and this one here goes into what should be done, blah, blah, blah. The first lesson, again, here's that term. You know, you know where it comes from when they all used to see the same weapons of mass destruction. We are all in this together. It's understandable domestic debate in the countries most affected by the crisis has been almost exclusively focused on the right approach to reducing immediate harm to their own citizens. But we should be conscious that the necessary actions taken in each country to prevent the virus from spreading, placing economic systems in a sort of hibernation may trigger significant unintended side effects in poorer countries. We'll all be poor. What were they on about, you see? A global economy in recession. No kidding you. Is that what happens when you lock everybody down and stop them from working and that? You get global recession. Ah, I never thought. Who'd have guessed, eh? Mm-hmm. It says, then it goes into the next calamity that might happen during all this, according to The Economist, you know, as well. They use that Economist article. But they want multilateral institutions and stronger global governance. I'd never have guessed that's where they were going with this article. As the president of Ethiopia put it in his letter to the G20, these challenges cannot be adequately addressed by any one country. Require globally coordinated response. Mm-hmm. So they get their global governance coming out of its hole. And the World Bank response is in here too. Who would have guessed the World Bank would have got in this as well, eh? There you go. And the World Bank group, it says, already prepared a package of support of your tax money, and is inviting other donors to co-finance activities to achieve a massive international coordinated and proven intervention instead of small donor-driven, potentially non-replicable standalone projects. Oh, wow. That's a mouthful, eh? And improving the multilateral architecture. Mm. The UN Security Council, the World Bank Group, the IMF, all the big groups set up, the big, the big clubs set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that private group, eh? The CFR. Mm. 
biodiversity conference as well. That's all going to get ran through it as well. Global public goods window. And all the philanthropists are on board with it. But they're part of governance now, you see. You didn't notice they're getting grafted on to, 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 because you don't vote for them, but they're part of your governance system. I hope you understand that. Isn't that just wonderfully utopic? Right? Isn't it? There you go. And you also have all these different uh, sudden NGO groups, just, well, finance ones just popping out of nowhere and with big expensive websites and and they want to promote a positive narrative for transitioning to sustainable planetary health during all this crisis. Sustainability, you see. And to partner with governments and researchers and policymakers, never mind the public, though. And it's just to, to draw on research available in Australia, as an example, and internationally for this purpose, including partnering with like-minded national and global institutions to act as a knowledge broker in communicating about threats and solutions, eh? And they develop action on threat reduction, mitigation, adaptation that focus on both selected and combined risks. Ah, sustainability, eh? climate change, um, resources, eh? human population, that's the numbers, pollution, etc., yeah, I tell you, this one here is, is quite some, another round table. This, this came out of nowhere. Eh? It rose from the ashes of the, of the fires, you know, recently had there in Australia. And there you go. And it's called Commission for the Human Future. Eh? Commission for all. And there's a big city there, and, and there's the clouds on the orange one side going away, you see, and on the other side, there's blue cloud, blue skies and nice white clouds, fluffy ones. And in the middle, there's the right, there's the sun behind the big buildings, just the rising sun idea, the corona. <gasps> Ooh, isn't that wonderful? The light, a light bringer. But there it is, right there. And then a big green lawn in front of the big, big city. Right? Surviving and thriving in the 21st century. So global action on global, uh, a call to action on global catastrophic risks. Well, my God, if you believe, if you live like that, you'd never live at all, very long at all. You'd just die of terror. And believe you me, money ain't going to help it. Things that really finish off this world would have nothing to do with what we do. Again, Gates, again, I mentioned before about his involvement in the Common Core curriculum in schools, eh? And here's, here's New York to work with Gates Foundation to reimagine schools. Reimagine them, hey? And so New York, will, with, New York will work with Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Why don't we just make him emperor of the planet? He seems to have a finger in every pie, hey? So Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to reimagine the state school system as part of broader reforms in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. That's Governor Andrew Como told the Daily Briefing Tuesday. So it says here that um, we've paid, we've paid, we have paid a very high price for what we're going to, through. But the hope is that we learn from it. Blah blah. So it says he wants to make create a new a new schooling system. I guess it's all to do with internet and so on. And um, mind you, if, if you don't have the schools on the go, and it's a whole new way of doing. It will save all, all that taxpayers' money for schools. We can go into other agendas for the big guys at the top, you understand? That's what it'll be for. <laughs> Not to save you money. You know? Never does. Your taxes won't go down. Huh? 
Yeah, the old model of everybody goes and sits in a classroom, the teachers in front of the classroom, and teaches that class. And you do that all across the city, all across the state, all these buildings, all these physical classrooms. Why, why, why with all the technology you have, he says, this is Como. He's making plans for opening New York in the worst hit state by far, blah, blah. But uh, this, is, this is the idea that, that they're pushing forward now. It's virtual schools, you see. Maybe they give you a virtual degree at the end of your, 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 your college, eh? And uh, we can all be virtual people, having virtual everything except real life, food, uh, decent food, uh, freedom, uh, yeah. We can imagine, we can little little virtual figures like they, they played with on the net years ago, you know. Everybody had their little favorite little character. And we can all be virtual people living through these little cartoons. Because it won't have any, any life at all in reality the way it's going now. Hmm? Office will never look the same in post-COVID world of plexiglass and temperature checks. And um, it says, a recent Bloomberg exploration of just what the typical American office worker can expect imagines a scenario that follows which seems akin to a strict and exhaustive regimen already a reality in Wuhan and other places in China, forever changing what post-COVID-19 normal looks like. The report is aptly titled, The Office You Left is Not Going to Be the Office You Return To. Because the tragic new regimen for most, especially in urban centers, will likely be goodbye open desk plan, hello mask temperature checks and plexiglass walls. It says, and the United States, something akin to this is coming. The report begins, and it's from Bloomberg as well. A report from Bloomberg. Your first, your first day headed back to office will likely feel different from the minute you wake up. Imagine the morning begins with a self-administered COVID-19 symptom and temperature check. An Apple report the results to your boss and to the police too as well, I'm sure. If all is well, a low-occupancy company provided shuttle. So here you go. It's the whole Agenda 21 too, by the way. Uh, will take you to work. Everything on it will be, everyone on it will be wearing a mask. Once at the office, a second health check. Attendants will strictly control access to doors, elevators, commons, areas will prevent. This is incredible overkill, isn't it, for something that's, that's dwindling all the time in numbers and never achieved anything like the, the, the terror, uh, the actual re- real, you know, deaths and so on that they, they claimed it would, nothing like it at all. No point arguing yet because they're running ahead regardless. This is their whole agenda, sustainability, all in one, you understand. And they're not going to back off unless you, unless you make them back off. And it's up to people to say no to all this nonsense. It says the route to the office will be one way only. Informally jammed open desk plans will sit half empty, maybe encased in a makeshift cubicle made of plexiglass sheets. You'll be monitored uh, with key cards or sensors. Uh, whereabouts throughout the day, your smartphone may vibrate to alert you to, to co-worker traffic like Waze, W-A-Z-E, for commuting to the copy machine. And lunch will come hermetically sealed. Say goodbye to communal coffee breaks, etc., etc. Oh, they're just lapping this up, eh? They're the ones who are churning it out, just, oh, wonderful, wonderful. You know, all these little little nothings will be obeying us. And it's all up to you to go along with it. You, you, you will acquiesce through fear or terror. And believe you me, you're dooming yourself and, and generations to come into a living hell. 
And then this one here too. Cancers are contracts. They're a menace to society. Anti-vaxxer NRL stars are slammed as entitled for refusing to get the flu jab as league gives players 40-hour ultimatum. And that's from me uh, again, uh, 7th of May, 2020, Daily Mail Australia. And so the NL, uh, big granted exemption to allow anti-vaxxers to play without getting a flu shot. No one trusts it anymore because folk got sick in previous years too. And they've also warned, the military's warned, they've got this whole flap on the go, that the flu shots may make them open to the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's quite amazing what's going on right now, eh? So frustrated foodie fans have slammed reports up to 20 top uh, NRL players refusing to get a mandatory flu shot. And it says um, the management demands that they get it or sign a waiver in the next 48 hours if they wish to play the game. Those refusing to get the jab reportedly include Canberra players Josh Papilla, uh, Sia Siliola, uh, Joe Tapin, Canterbury's Sion Katoa, and Gold Coast Bryce Cartwright. Etc. Etc. Um, then are still trying to figure out, uh, are still trying to figure out that the self-entitled, better than everyone else attitude needs to stop. Well, they they got the right to choose. You're supposed to have informed consent. People have, at the top have this terrible reaction to the word consent. Now they try to make everything mandatory. No one sticks anything in your body without your consent. That that's the difference between a, a tyranny, folks, and a free society. And there should be no penalties for refusing it in a free society. Folk who are vaccinated should be perfectly safe, shouldn't they? If you ever had it, yeah. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? No, this stigmatization and, and this, this shaming of people is a technique that they use in, in totalitarian tyrannies. That's standard technique. Stigmatize opposition. Is terrible, disgusting enemies of, of humanity, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all been done before. So I'll put that one up anyway for those that want to uh, to do it. Up to As I say, you're supposed to have informed consent. Consent means you say yes or no, right? And you shouldn't be penalized for saying no. What's the difference of getting tortured to do something? And if you say no, they keep torturing you, you know? It's the same kind of idea. That this is tyranny when that comes down to it. Absolutely. And then you have Trudeau Mulls making coronavirus vaccine mandatory for Canadians. Well, really, is, is he the, the top honcho that says that you must allow people, your, your body uh, to be pumped full of foreign, foreign stuff by private companies and corporations that are even terrified to tell the public what's even in it because it's so disgusting? Really? And then again, too, they should also say, fine, we'll, we'll take that if, if we, uh, you agree that we can sue you uh, and completely uh, when, it, when it all goes wrong, you see, and, and sue the government as well and the vaccine companies. They should have no protection, these vaccine companies, for, for what they do to the people. What's the old idea with uh, the covenants they're supposed to take? You know, do no harm. What happened to that covenant? Huh? Do no harm. Well, the, the litany of harm is just, it's just endless when you go back and read it all. Oh, well, these were just aberrant things. Really, writing off hundreds or maybe even thousands of people across the planet over many years. It's, it's just one of these things. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not, not at all. 
especially when there's such a big ag- agenda at stake here, folks. You know. And Facebook twen- and Wednesday appointed 20 people from around the world to serve on what they will effectively be the social media network's Supreme Court, they call it, for speech, issuing rulings on what kind of posts will be allowed and what should be taken down. There you go. Includes nine law professors, right? A Nobel Peace Prize laureate from Yemen, who is very uh, journalist, free speech advocates, and a writer from the Libertarian Cato Institute, or Cato Institute, right? So there's your star chamber. Absent, however, was any prominent expert in studying disinformation. Facebook has struggled to contain state-based manipulation efforts as well as hoaxes on subjects like false cures and gun violence. Hill Thornick Schmidt, a former Prime Minister of Denmark, one of four co-chairs on the board, said they would consider such expertise in recruiting more members. <laughs> oh, great jobs for, for people doing nothing, as usual, eh? Who sit there with their noses in the air. Oh, they're so important. But again, this is where it's to go with the whole, the whole Google system too, which is part of the massive global intelligence system. That's what it is, intelligence agency system. Of course they are, same with Facebook. From the very beginning, they always have these fronts. And the remdesivir, or remdesivir, the only drug shown to work, again, it's a PR thing, it's the only one, no, it's not the only one that's shown to work, <laughs> by Gilead. It could cost up to $4,500 per treatment, despite costing just $9.32 to make. So it says that Gilead has not revealed how much its antiviral drug, Remdesivir, which is approved by the FDA to treat coronavirus, will cost. It's amazing it got approved away. And it's only one that Fauci said, you know, he, he would back. Yeah, interesting. The California-based company that drew intense public scrutiny when it priced its hepatitis C treatment at $1,000 per pill in 2013. You know, you, you want it, you need it, we got it. That's, that's, that's the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> $1,000 a pill. A report estimated that it costs $9.32 to manufacture one 10-day course of remdesivir treatment. It's interesting, too, they used, I think they got funding inside the U.S. to test this stuff, different stuff out on people. So all these companies are taxpayer, get massive input from taxpayer money. Incredible, really. That's public-private, though, isn't it? And the cost watchdog said that if the drug is proven to save lives, Gilead could charge up to 4500 per treatment. Well, there you go. They're in the business of helping people. Like everybody else is out there on these stages dictating to you. They're, they're all there to help you. I mean, really, honestly. Now, before I get into the last little leg here of my talk for the night, I just have to remind you once again, once again, because we've all got short memories, right, that you can help me take along by donating to me at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Once again, list all the sites listed there, the official sites I have, in case any of them get pulled or go down for any reason. And hopefully you can still hear me. And uh, you can, as I say, keep up to scratch on what's happening and help me take along, because it costs cash to keep these sites all going. And I don't sell uh, T-shirts or... or uh, 
herbs will make you live forever or anything like that. I just don't, I leave that to other people. And I just survive on what people send to me here and there. Lots of people use my site, believe you me, regardless of what you might see. <laughs> I've been shadow banned forever, but uh, uh, definitely since I came out with the whole agenda many years ago and really changed the direction of it all. At least the, the so-called alternate media. They had to start, start following me at the time until the big boys got control of the other ones and, and uh, shaped it all around me, I suppose. But that's how things happen in real life. You can't expect that you're living in some kind of fair fight of any kind. It doesn't work that way. It never has. And everything is always subverted and destroyed. I've seen lots of good radio stations being taken down and destroyed because others threatened that the people who advertise with them to stop advertising or else, basically. It's just astonishing the tricks that go on. And people have no idea of what they're following. And even the, cult, the alternative media often ends up just being a political, a, a, an advocate for a political party. All the parties are the same. Again, going back to, to, to Carl Quigley, he said the same thing back in the 1960s when he published his, his book. He said that the parties eventually are all the same, working for the same agendas and, and promising the same nonsense to the general public but serving uh, much higher authorities. He was a technocrat. He believed in technocracy and ruled by experts and intelligentsia. He only believed in that, so he was quite honest about it in his books. So, yeah, even even what you're following eventually gets gradually subverted until you, you don't realize you've been destroyed or neutralized. And in, in comes all the different... Uh, um, People who are celebrated at the, at the top is that, that the leaders, the leaders of the alternate media, and and then they split up any unified action against anything. That's counterintelligence until you can't all collectively <laughs> advocate against anything to save your lives down the road. That's what happens. That's that's very successful counterintelligence. And then you're back to voting, and you'll be voting when you're in chains with your manacles, and so you still be voting. And they'll keep telling you, but so-and-so will make it better. Don't worry. There's, there's, no, there's nobody to vote for, really. They're a completely compromised system. The whole system is, is thoroughly crooked in this day and age, unfortunately. And it's up to the public to start demanding from governments uh, uh, the fact that they don't just get rights back. They can't take rights from you. Remember that. So you have to just start using your rights and... Um, Asserting natural power once again That's the only way you can do it Or you're really doomed And it really is you, you, If you acquiesce and you go backwards one step You do the second step And before you know it you're going back You're walking backwards And uh, they never give up That's the technique that's been used The behaviours have gone on I've, I've prattled on about this for years They're employed to do this kind of stuff And uh, and here we are, they're all pushing it forward now. So you can help me, as I say, take along. Go into cuttingthroughmedias.com and have a look at my site there. And uh, you can find out how to help me take along too and keep going. Now, for the last leg here, let's just touch on really the, the whole idea of uh, the, the World Economic Forum. Everything out there is all connected with the same players. This, the member quickly again said that the new system will be run by CEOs of international corporations. He also included the medical industry. And you're seeing it openly today. And they'll be the new feudal overlords. 
a new system will be a feudal system, but feudal overlords will be CEOs of, CEOs of corporations. And that's where we are now, isn't it? And you got to where you liked it or not. You weren't asked about it. You never are. You never will be asked about anything that you really, really need to know or to have an input in. So the World Economic Forum, I always say backwards, it's the FEW, it's for the few. And they have the Center for Fourth Industrial Revolution, very important, because they, they, they prattle on about the previous times, you know, of times of, times of industry up to the present, and that the Fourth Industrial Revolution is the, the new type, totally monitored societies, all part of their Fourth Industrial Revolution, shaping the future of technology, governance, they call it, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And they're going about how it all works together to... For, for everything you pretty well need. It all goes through computers and um, black box algorithms and so on and so on. But it says, shaping the future of technology, governance, Internet of Things, robotics and smart cities. It's all coming together now, isn't it? Under a crisis. Eh? They want you into the smart cities where you get totally monitored. And at the same time, if you want to catch something or some disease, I gave this talk years ago, you don't want to be in the cities, because if they release something inadvertently or whatever, <laughs> accidentally um, or intentionally, then it's going to sweep right through a city. You're all packed together. You know, look at New York. You know? So, uh, Internet of Things, robotics and smart cities. But they don't want you driving around. They want you completely locked down your area. So there are more, more connected devices in the world today than there are humans, blah, 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 Internet of Things, yada, yada, yada. And then they go into the shaping the future of technology, governance, blockchain and distributed ledger technology, how wonderful it will all be. And this is the this is the World Economic Forum, remember. The, one, the same, the same <laughs> everybody we've mentioned tonight is a member of it. Huh? Shaping the future of technology, governance, data policy, and data is the auction that fuels the fire of the fourth industrial revolution. More data has been generated than ever before with the global volume of data predicted to double between 2018 and 2022, and then double again between 2022 and 2025. Well, it will when we're all manacled and got the apps and stuff, and they've got chips on you and chips implanted into you, and you've got your tattoos as well. And um, autonomous urban mobility and so on. Because obviously they're going to start, you, you, you understand what, how many car companies are closing down at the present time and, and have done for the last few weeks. How much of the Agenda 21 is, is, is an agenda is for the whole 21st century, that's what it means, Agenda 21. Right? For the whole 21st century, everything is all sectioned into, into 20, 30 year periods or even 15 year periods different parts of it to be completed. But the whole, all of them must be completed by, uh, by the end of the century, and including the fact that no privately owned cars at all. Well, it's all, they're all on board with it too at the World Economic Forum. Do you vote for, the, for this organization? No, you don't, no. Do they ask you? No, you don't. But they dictate to you, and they dictate to governments, and so on and so on. It's just amazing, isn't it? And then drones and tomorrow's airspace, all the wonderful things that they're going to give you. And uh, five collect ways collective intelligence can help beat coronavirus in developing countries. Yeah, it's all technology and stuff. Yada, yada, yada. No, we need treatments for things, folks. The best policy for treating these kind of diseases is to forbid them to be possibly even worked on in these labs, eh? where they do their gain of function, where they make things that, that are pretty harmless and to absolutely lethal 
things. Like, like I said, uh, Lipsitch at Harvard University gave that lecture, he's one of many, uh, to his students and said, should we be making potentially deadly pandemics in a laboratory? Should we, what part of, of this don't you understand? Should we be making potentially deadly pandemic diseases in the laboratory? Making, making, hmm? that's what they do. So that's the best thing is prevention. Just close them all down, eh? Close them all down. And maybe they have to get real work and real jobs. And um, wouldn't have so much problems with these strange things just suddenly appearing out of nowhere. You know. And another one too is the Davos Manifesto, going back all the way to 1975. Uh, 1973, a code of ethics for business leaders. Never mind the public, but it's, it's for them, the big corporations, you know. And uh, a better kind of capitalism. Why we need Davos Manifesto? I love their manifestos. That rings bells when you manifestos, you know what I'm saying? I guess that's the capitalist manifesto. It was a combination of both, because they, they both believe, you know, the left and right believe in, in technocratic control of society expert rules, and no religions, because religions, religions make people think they've got rights, you know, you, you can't do that to me, God, God gave me this life, and it's, it's not yours to take, or meddle with, or experiment on, and then leading by example, our responsibility, the forum commits to being a leader and practicing sustainability, sustainability, there you go, as they all jet off to, to, to their, their big, uh, with, with you know, Davis uh, centers and so on, and they, they have the best meals on the planet, you know, 20 odd course meals, 24 course meals, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's on jet aircraft and just spews out the stuff behind it. But that's all right. Is you've got to make allowances for your rulers, for your owners. They own you, you see. You can't be like them. You have to do your toll. But the, the, the important folk have more rights than ordinary people, for goodness sakes. Sustainability strategy for 2021 is already put out by them and uh, their policy and sustainable procurement policy and code of conduct for vendors. But they're, they're all, they're just, oh, they're just in ecstasy, orgasmic ecstasy with all the things they can ram through now. You know, they've got their, this terrible COVID thing to deal with and and, and how it's going to help society and, and it's going to cut back on pollution because no one's driving much these days and stuff like that. Uh, it's just wonderful, eh? What can COVID-19 strategies teach us about the climate battle ahead? And they go into what you need to know about the coronavirus pandemic, etc. And uh, the humanities scholars are, are enlisted to end the coronavirus lockdown. And the second wave is in our hands, says the WHO in the COVID-19 briefing. Oh my God, eh? Important people. You didn't know they even existed before you were, here you are going to your work and slaving away and, and handing over the cashier taxes and and watching the bad TV and getting zonked out and stuff. And, and you had no idea all these organizations of very important people are managing your life and the planet, you know? You didn't even, you never even had to ask them. They did it all voluntarily. Wow, eh? there you go. But they're ecstatic over what they can do with it, with this crisis. They can ram sustainability through, and, and there's less pollution because no one's driving. Eh? There you go. 
That's going to help the climate, they say. Hey. So it provides a platform for the world's 1,000 leading companies mm. to shape a better future as a membership organization that forum or engages businesses and projects and initiatives online and offline to address industry, regional and systemic issues. Members and partners benefit from tailored engagement based on their company strategies and the deeper a company's engagement, the greater its ability to shape the forum agenda. And you have to go into their forums to realize about it, what they're really into. The platform engagements and so on, regional engagements, community engagements, and a network of communities that extends beyond each member's immediate peer group to enhance collaboration. It's worldwide, you see. And it's all through industry and so on. And strategic partnerships and so on. And they're improving the state of the world. That's what they're, That's their mission, these selfless CEOs of corporations. Uh, they just want to improve the world. That's why they, they rake in the cash and stuff. They, they, they just want to improve the world for everybody. That's the How can you attack something like that? It's like mum's apple pie. You should be ashamed of yourself. The strategic partners enjoy broad experience engaging with a minimum of five platforms, all these different platforms, eh? Wow. And then they partner you up as a strategic partner too. There you go. Mm-mm-mm. And they're global innovators, you see. See, see they, they, they actually direct the future of the world on your behalf without you having to even ask them to do it. They're innovators in a community. And it's an invitation-only group of the world's most promising startups and scale-ups that are at the forefront of technological and business model innovation. So all the artificial intelligence groups, they're all parts of the intelligence agencies anyway, uh, are on board with it all, all the biggies, you see. And how they can make it new champions. So the World Economic Forum's new champions community brings together next generation enterprises that aspire to be at the leading edge of industry. I guess that's the shackles that they're going to make, electronic shackles and everything. And, um, yeah. So the forum engages with new champions community and ensure the voices of leading global and regional companies have a seat at the table. That's a lot of money just to make it put you... I can make it a seat for, for a few pennies, actually, quite cheaply. No? Okay. And then you've got um, this other one too. Same, same again, it's the World Economic Forum. I've even gone into the COR tonight. But uh, the World Economic Forum provides a platform to the world's 1,000 companies, blah, 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 as I've said before. But they, they, shape the, they, they shape the future. That's the whole point of, of control of everything. Is to make, you, you plan what future you're going to bring in for the peasants that you have to, have to rely upon, right? That's how you do it. And um, and guess who's all part of it? Guess who's all part of this too, eh? The World Economic Forum, eh? It says, new paper outlines ways to boost manufacturing supply systems resilience. May the 1st. Who's in it? Ajay Banga, Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab urge companies to support the COVID-19 therapeutics accelerator. Oh, wow, eh? It's a small world in some ways, isn't it? The same names just keep popping up everywhere. And uh, the latest COVID action platform, virtual meetings they're having, mm. and stuff like that. But uh, blockchain toolkits launched to strengthen supply chains. Isn't it astonishing to What gets me is the big corporate uh, chains, even in the supermarkets, are the only ones allowed to stay open. All the all small ones are all closed. They can't, you're not allowed to open. All the biggies are, though. Because the virus is not known not to infect anybody in Walmart. 
they know that. Hmm. And there's plenty of space there. Exactly at 5 feet 11 inches away from you, that virus is going to stop dead. It's not going to get through that force field to you. And that's the absurdities of today for tonight. Now, just to show you that hell really is repetition, I'll put up the link to Mike Wallace, CBS 60 Minutes talk on government propaganda around 1976 swine flu scare, which caused a lot of damage to the people who never recovered a lot of them. And the same kind of hype was hyped up then out of nothing really at that time, as much less than it is now. And I'm not saying this COVID problem is not real, it is real, and it's definitely targeting certain groups of people. But uh, it's nothing like the the figures that they claimed initially it was going to be. And uh, in fact, the regular flu uh, would kill a lot more people, or at the very least the same amount of people in a year. Plus they're lumping the flu cases in with it too. Rather disgusting, really. But Mike Wallace uh, goes through what happened in 1976 with the the same kind of hype then, the swine flu scare. And they wanted to vaccinate the entire population and, and caused incredible damage to the people. And I hope I haven't bored you stiff. I know I haven't, uh, for the ones who really listen. But at least it's a way to understand what's really going on. And however unpleasant it might be. And frightening too. They want you all to be frightened. You don't have to be frightened because you still have power if you only exercise it. And it's quite simple. You, you can start to, don't fight them on their own terms, using their own terminology. That's what they hope you'll do. And that's why they want religion out of the way. That gives you rights. Like Julian Huxley said, must knock off humanity off their pedestal thinking he's the supreme being on the planet. We must knock them off it in order to control them and depopulate, etc. And they did it, you know, through science and atheism. And then they come along and, and with their new religion and say, now you must obey us. We're the priests with the white coats. And this is what you'll do, you see. And you, you start battling them with their own terminology of their, of their supposed sciences. Well, are you going to win? Huh? You need your religion, and you should stand by it. And just tell them where to get off, as they say. You know? Has to be done. A little light here, a little light there across the planet, and there's eventually there's lots and lots of little lights just light up in the darkness as folks start to reclaim their, their natural natural dignity again. And the fact that they're not an animal that's owned by anybody. And no, you're not all in it together. You're not part of a collective. That's what they've been training you to believe. You're a collective, collective, collective. No, you're an individual in society. And you have the rights to decide for yourselves what's to be done, especially with your own body. And uh, otherwise, as I say, it's a living hell. A living hell has been set up for you. Honestly, I really mean that. And it, 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 it's... They, they try to, to basically sternalize it and sanitize it with terminology. We're here to help you. No, 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 no. These are mangalas out there, folks. These are mangalas, real mangalas. And they, they are trying to get you to simply cave in and, and, and allow them to own you, to own you, O-W-N. And again, the terminology you use is simply is, is called N-O, no, no. See, that's where you start, that simple little word, no. It's up to you if you want human dignity of any kind at all. 
and any kind of life at all. Because the time these characters are through with it and are living hell, uh, people won't want to live. I really mean that. I really, really mean what they want to bring in. This is not a, a, a human system they're bringing in here. It's for themselves at the top. They'll be allowed all the pleasures and blah, blah, blah that you're not allowed to have, including the best of food and lots of meat, by the way. They always make sure of that, that even in 1984, they had there Soviet system, the ones at the top were never short of the best of foods. As the peasants starved, often to death. Never forget the past. Never forget the past, folks. And take care of each other, too, in these times of crisis. Don't turn on each other. You got to help each other out because as times are going to get even worse. Uh, the economy is not supposed to ever get back to anything that, that we had before. If they even let you into it, and they might just come out with the next trick of saying, "Oh my God, it's returned," and if they can keep it going and the lockdown into the fall, and then say, "Oh my God, it's the flu season," they'll, they'll say, "Oh, it's returned with a vengeance," and, and get it into next year like they wanted initially, anyway. The reason being, even this Neil Ferguson, he's still pushing the same thing, which tells you they're not insane. It's an excuse for the whole agenda, folks, for the true, the true New World Order that they prattle on. They're openly proclaiming, actually. It's the excuse to bring it all in and sustainability, depopulation, austerity, yada, yada, yada. But remember, you're worth you're worth a lot more than that. Of course, you don't ever forget it. You know? And you're, you're not all alone either. There are other people in similar boats, and, who, and you can all communicate with each other too. And you should be. For myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, where it's still got snow outside, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>